Hello everyone, welcome to episode 54 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that give us a chainsword and a bolt pistol, we're assault podcasters. I'm your host Matt, <laughs> and joining me as always, a guy so deep in the underhive that he now calls his students Jews. It's Cameron. How you doing, mate? <laughs> I am doing great, thank you. Um, just so we're clear, I'm being responsible. None of my Jews are getting stim slug stashes until they're at least 16. Um, <laughs> How very responsible of you. <laughs> well, Cameron, I'm mm. feeling lucky today, mate. Okay. Yeah. So I'm feeling. I'm okay. feeling lucky. So I'm feeling so lucky that I've got a dice in front of me, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. that if I roll a six, I know people mm-hmm. are thinking, Matt, you never roll sixes, but I'm feeling lucky. So I think if I roll a six, we not only do we get a guest on for this show, mm-hmm. but I get mm-hmm. to choose it as well. Okay. Oh, Does that sound fair? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Roll in the dice. Yes. Yes. I got a six. It was definitely <laughs> not a one. Uh, definitely not a one. Okay. No. No witnesses. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's no witnesses. So I'm thinking because I got a six. I'm going to say, "Welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen Rhodes. How are you doing, sir? Hello. I have been summoned. <laughs> I have been summoned void. before." <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just well known for all of my sexes, so uh, I, it was guaranteed mm. you were going to come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely not lying there. We all know um, that only one summoned me. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Mm. <laughs> maybe that's what happened. <laughs> how you doing, mate? You all right? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're all good. Thank Excellent. you very much for, for coming back. Um, that makes you now our most appeared guest. Yeah, You're now on for the third time, so um, definitely getting the Inquisition on you, uh, because you, you're <laughs> wanting to come back yet again, so there's something going on here, but we're that's mm. fine. We're glad to have you here, sir. Welcome yeah, I'm glad back. to be here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. Okay. So that's the, uh, the guess for this one, and so what we're going to do, um, we're going to try and keep this episode uh, a little bit different, because obviously we're conscious of time zones and such like for this recording so the plan for this episode episode 54 is we'll do a relatively quick hobby section uh we're gonna probably quite a meaty new section because something happened in the warhammer world uh the last week or so uh and then for the main topic we are going to discuss dark harvest and then at the end we won't have a discussion topic uh just for this episode again purely because Mm. of time so uh right Cool. Okay, before we get into the hobby section, um, one cool little bit of admin, really, which I sort of mentioned, I think, last episode, is that uh, coming up in June, we have been asked by Colin from Cold Open Stories to be part of the judging panel for the June Fast Fiction, which we are very honoured to be <laughs> to be chosen mm. for that. So basically, yeah. it'll be us, it will be the guys from the Fluff and Hammer podcast, and obviously guys at cold open stories as well so uh, look out for that so we're recording today on the 31st of may um the theme i think is being chosen today for the uh, the june facts fiction so as of this recording we don't know exactly what it's going to be but by the time you hear this it'll be out so we'll obviously promote it as well so we're really looking forward to that actually um talking to cold open stories uh steven you've been working with colin recently we're on however small however hidden is that right 
Yeah, the first part, it's a three-part audio drama. The first part came out um, a couple of days ago. Colin just messaged me like, hey, I'm going to drop the I'm gonna drop the audio drama now. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we've been, we we got in, we got in touch with each other sort of halfway through last year and had a chat, obviously from, you know, it came from the whole Realm and Ruin Discord. That's where we kind of met. Um <laughs> And we talked and he mentioned wanting to expand a little bit. So we, he told me some of the ideas he was playing with. And he mentioned this one about, um, you know, this story of this guy on this, on this planet that's being attacked by tyrannies. And I was like, I'm so in, let's do this. So we, we kind of got together and we co-wrote that audio drama. Um, we kind of finished it early this year, just before I did my big, um, international, um, cross country drive to California. (laughs) Um, Mm. And then, yeah, Colin did all the like the casting and all the um, directing of the actors, and, and did all the post production stuff. And uh, yeah, I think the first part released this week, which was super awesome. That is really cool. And yeah, I mean, I, I've I started listening to it. Uh, I've listened to all of it because unfortunately, I was in the middle of a work call at the time, so I had to sort of stop <laughs> listening to it. But what I'm sort of halfway through, and it was it was really good. I mean, the the so the production values on it were fantastic as well. I was really really impressed. Yeah, he does an amazing job, and uh, you know, uh, he's got. Um... I forget I forget his name now, which is terrible of me. But um, <laughs> he's got a friend that does all the sound effects and music, and he's super super talented. And he does like I've listened to the whole thing, and like the there's a section towards the end of the first part where uh, like some of the planetary defense force like um, engage the Tyranids to try and hold them off, and it's, it sounds amazing. Like you really feel like <laughs> you are there, like as the Lehman Ross is firing. So it was uh, I was super impressed with how it how it sort of turned out and came together. Yeah, no, it's it's it, like I said, they're doing a really good good job over there, and I I I, just, I think everyone that listens to them is really impressed with you know what's happening there because I suppose they're they're doing something that clearly there's a part of our community that wants to do this. They want to you know write little you know write little stories or fast fiction or you know obviously some longer pieces and and uh, obviously the audio dramas as well. So yeah, I think if you've got a creative mind, obviously like yourself. Stephen, it's a great way to do it. And, and like I said, the production values, I, I truly believe you wouldn't think that it's not an, a, you know, a, an, unof, you know, an, an official, you know, one that you would, you know, hear on like, you know, on audible and <laughs> such like, so that's really, really impressive. So that's cool um, that you're part of that. And, and it's cool that you got together via our discord. That's really, <laughs> we're bringing mm. people together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. It's, uh, it's, it's great. I love the discord. Like I'm, uh, I've got a lot of good friends on there now and, um, like I don't think I'd have done as much hobby um, if it wasn't for the the Discord. Honestly, I think it's really encouraging. It keeps me, you know, keeps me honest. It like it keeps, gives me <laughs> gives me encouragement when I'm doing well, and like you know, uh, even when I'm not doing well and I'm like down on my hobby, it's like I always the Discord's always there to pick me back up. And like yeah, I met Colin through there and everything. It's it's such a good little wholesome community. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, we've got some really lovely people. Now, I know we say it every episode, and I'll be saying it in a second. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, it is true. It's that we've got a really nice group of people on there that all sort of bond together and, like I said, encourage each other. And, and you know, and like I said, chill. We, we've had some really nice... Uh, you know, voice chats recently with you know, groups of us, and especially with obviously the the recent uh, 40k news, we sort of you know watched that in real time. So no, it's it's a really cool little community. And like I said, if you out there listening want to join it, it's always free to come along. So the link is always down in the description. So come along if you want to join us. Um, and if you 
do join us. You can ask us a question and we answer it on the show. So this is today's question. And this comes from Mr. DeWitt. And he says, mm-hmm. after starting to read Black Pyramid, thanks to when you covered it on the podcast, <laughs> I noticed the reoccurring theme of portraying Slanesh armies or lords as somewhat wacky gatherings of hedonists. What kind of excess would make for a truly dangerous or awe-inspiring Slanesh army? Now, that's a question. That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. Um, any ideas, both of you? Any suggestions? I mean, obviously, excessive military skill and strategy. <laughs> one that would work very well, I think. But, you know. Um, mm, there's got to be a Slanesh army out there that is nothing but catapults, right? Excessive <laughs> artillery, which I think would be hilarious. <laughs> Just catapults. <laughs> it sounds like those wacky armies that people come up with when they're like they just got a real obsession with like one unit and they're like oh I'll yes. have 12 of them <laughs> here's my five bloodthirster army that's all it is there's nothing See, else games workshop realized that's what people want <laughs> so <laughs> cool um you got any thoughts Stephen? any ideas you think would would work uh, it's it's interesting because it's like i love the whole theme of Slanesh and the excess thing and how excess and like perfectionism is this knife's edge between obsession and like you know um sort of skill and obsession and it and it's a it's a balance mm. I've always loved the um in the Horace Heresy reading like um what's the Emperor's Children Swordsman called? The uh, Lucius. Lucius? Uh, Lucius, yeah, like how he's like he's he he's just obsessed with being the greatest duelist in the galaxy and that's what that's mm. what you know, that's his downfall is that <laughs> obsession with trying to be the best. So I I don't know, I don't know how it would translate to an army, but having an army that was like trying to be perfectionist but about how they conducted warfare and like I don't know. It feels like they'd have to have rules where they if you if you like, it would be like role playing, right? Where they'd have rules built into the army. Where if you if you strayed away from what they did, they would mm. betray you on the tabletop. You know, a bit like how Black Templars <laughs> always cool. charged forwards, and you, that's the only option. It would have to be something like that. Where it's like, okay, you, your army is around. Like, I don't know. Like, I like the catapult idea, but like, maybe it's like a long range shooting. It's like if your enemy is within twelve inches of you, you physically mm. refuse to shoot them. And that you have to retreat <laughs> to shoot them because you just can't tolerate like just spraying mm. and praying. It's just it's beneath you as an army. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose it. Like you said, it has to be military based, really. I suppose to mm. for them to work well together. I mean, you could, like I said, you could have some really weird stuff. You could have it like where they're only obsessed with like decapitating people like that's the only way oh they God. can kill someone you can't mortal wound yeah. you know just wound someone mm. yeah you mm. have to no, you have to get everyone to uh, their last wound and then you have to finish them in melee you're not allowed yeah, to exactly. like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hmm. what was vlad the impaler a slaneshi <laughs> well, well. <laughs> it's he all inspired by was. history yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> cool well, thank you, Mr. DeWitt. That was a really cool question. I like it. Mm. So that's been yeah. our answers. Right. Okay. So we're going to get stuck into the hobby now. Right. So for the hobby section on this one, we're going to do a slight little tweak to this one. So we're going to introduce something new. Uh, so at the end of our 
hobby section. So we'll talk about obviously what we've been working on recently is we're going to try to do basically a community hobby highlight pick. So going forward, uh, we'll pick something that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, whether it be, uh, I don't know, a blog, uh, a project that someone's working on, uh, you know, a, a channel, a podcast, whatever, just something that, that one of us has seen and has really enjoyed that someone's doing something really cool and obviously, you know, basically share the love with you guys listening. So you get to see what they, these people have been up to and obviously see if you like it as well. So, uh, so look out for that. So cool. Right. So hobby time and Stephen, would you like to kick us off, sir? What have you been up to recently? Um, I have been painting and building my Idenf Deepkin. Mm. So I, I bought them all a while ago now. I've been kind of collecting them over the last few sort of six to eight months. Um, but I promised myself I wouldn't open them and build them until I'd um, relocated because it was like there was already a lot of stuff to pack and I didn't want to <laughs> be like figuring out how I was going to transport built models because it's a nightmare. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to build any of them. And then when we got here, I was like, right, great. Like, and now I can build them. So I've been building stuff and like painting stuff and getting really um, frustrated with flesh because I didn't have a lot of flesh and it's quite unique colors and I've been like banging my head against it, but um, I like my color scheme now. So that's pretty much been all the hobby of doing. Oh no, that's a lie. I also built and painted all of the Warcry terrain. Nice. In, like, ah, the space yes. of a couple of weeks. Um, mm. So that was fun because now I have a, like, it makes such a difference having painted terrain on mm-hmm. a board or a tabletop. Like when you're playing, it literally makes everything pop and stand out. And like, even though we don't have the, two warbands painted yet like it just looks amazing to play like you know me and my wife have been playing games every so often she even she's like it just looks so much better when when you're playing on really nice terrain so Mm. um that's pretty much been my hobby it's just been painting painting that terrain painting my adeneth and that's been it really cool um i was gonna say how how have you been finding warcry as a game oh it's amazing (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's such a it's such a good game like and it's it's really great for just pickup games like you know um me and my wife just like we throw the stuff on the table we we pick wall bands and we just we just play a randomly generated scenario from the cards which are really cool they give it such variants uh, with like the twists and everything but then mm. i also i've been reading the book like um on evenings and like the campaign system and the way you can like gain xp and progress your warband and go on these like epic journeys with them and it's like it's there's so much depth to that system mm. like, i really hope that they mm. support that game for a long time because i think it's a it's an incredible like i mean i like Shadespire. it's a really good board game mm. but walker i really does feel like the the starting point for getting into age of sigma like it feels like the right way to get into the the bigger wargaming hobby i think yeah, that's actually a good mm. point, actually, because we, well, Cameron and myself have sort of answered that similar as a Discord question, I think, you know, X amount of episodes ago when obviously how, you know, what's the recommended way to get into the, the Games Workshop games? And obviously we spoke about Warmer Underworlds and Warcry. And yeah, I think you're right. It's mm. that, because obviously, I mean, Underworlds is great by itself. It has its, it's definitely got its own sort of market and, and uh, appeal. It's just, I think it's a, it, like you said, it's, it's it's nearer to a board game more than a tabletop game. Whereas Warcry sort of is that feels like it's that nice balance where you're sort of tipping towards the tabletop side as opposed to getting away from the, the board game side. But uh, it's it's nice that we have got mm-hmm. both options. To be honest, even you know f- yeah. for us where 
um, you know, putting putting the lockdown aside, the fact that some of us struggle to play regularly anyway because of you know circumstances and people around us. So at least having games like this is it you know uh, gives you a better chance of being able to play stuff like like you're doing with your wife and uh, obviously Cameron's played Underworlds with uh, his other mm. with his partner as well. So. Uh, you know, um, no, I, I've tried that with mine, but <laughs> not getting anywhere. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's good that, like I said, to have these options. So no, that's really cool. Uh, right, what's going to say? Oh, um, what's your um, community spotlight, Stephen? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So I've also been obviously we're in lockdown, so it's been hard to do any gaming. I've done a little bit on Tabletop Simulator, but I've been watching and listening to a lot of AOS Coach uh, videos on YouTube where he. He does really good interviews with with um, like really good players in the AOS scene, and he interviews them about their army and the faction and how they build lists and like what their factions' pros and cons are. Uh, and he does lots of good coverage um, of the game, and he also has a Discord server where he's hosting like a an online tournament, like a league in AOS using Tabletop oh. Simulator. Oh, cool! Um, and cool. that's been really fun to watch develop, and like I've actually. He like live streams the game, so he does like commentary, and I've been watching a few of those. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it's been really good just to be able to engage in the the like competitive scene and, and the tournament scene without you know because we none of us can go and play in anything. It's I, <laughs> I really started missing it and missing going to like my store and playing. So it's been it's been a really mm. good way to sort of um, like get that outlet for not just the hobby but also for playing it. And um, I've learned a lot about the different armies, like stuff I mm. never knew or thought about because like they go, they do like two hour long interviews where they go really <laughs> yeah. deep on a faction. Yeah. You know, like I listened to the Iden F one and I immediately came away and, and understood how to build lists and how the different elements of the army work together and had a much better understanding of, of the book, mm. even though I'd read it. So it's, um, mm. yeah, <laughs> I definitely recommend AOS coach if you're a, uh, if you're looking for some Age of Sigmar themed um, discussions, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think he's he. It's a I, I totally agree because I I watch him a lot. I like the way he does things. I like the fact that even though obviously generally most of the stuff they cover is competitive, it's done in a very I'm trying to help you, you know, for people that are listening because obviously the the one snag with competitive stuff out there, you know, whether it's podcast, YouTube, or whatever, is sometimes it you can get if you're a sort of beginner or someone that's relatively new that wants to get into the competitive scene sometimes it can be a bit of a void when it comes to sort of the content out there whereas i like his stuff because you know he's got you know experts joining him on a particular army for example and i like the fact that he will then say well can you just clarify that what would you know if i had this what would you know like very simple question but he's almost like he's asking the questions that people listening would be asking because sometimes when you get an expert on you can they can go well you could try this you could do this and you're like i'm a bit overloaded i can start again whereas Mm. i think the way he sort of gets the information out of people is really good yeah he makes them he he makes them cut through the competitive player jargon and all the acronyms that they have and he makes them explain what he's talking about and 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 that's it is really um useful for new players because i'm like i'm Mm. i've been playing aos a little while and i've always played the game and followed it but i've I've not been competitive for a long long time so i always i found it jarring with people they talk about lists and stuff and and they have nicknames for the builds and i'm like i don't know what any of this means (laughs) but he really makes them boil it down and like explain what they're talking about yeah Mm. exactly which i think for you know for a lot of people uh is is a good thing because i think ultimately you know most people aren't in that that mindset where they they know all these sort of things so it's great that he like i said explains it in that way and and also i think so 
before we move on is that the other things I like that he does is the fact that he he will get different guests on for different armies. So like you said, he, if he's covered Deepkin, you know, two months later, he'll get someone else on to cover Deepkin. And then you can get almost like another perspective of, you know, same army, but, you know, someone else, another expert's uh, sort of opinion on things. And obviously if you're really getting into an army, you can, you know, watch a couple of these, you know, these long videos and, and obviously ascertain what people are saying. So no. It's really good. And also mm. it's good because you, you see another part of the scene because obviously he's based in Australia. So you're getting, you, you know, so obviously yeah. there's a, quite a big focus on the Australian AOS scene, which, you know, is obviously totally different to some other countries. So no, it's really good that he does that sort of thing. Cool. Okay. Mm. Thank you very much for that, Stephen. Right. Cameron, your turn, sir. What have you been Alrighty. up to? Alrighty. Uh, I've had a pretty busy couple of weeks as I have the last few episodes. Um, I'm really getting a lot done when I just, can't go do social things really um <laughs> the 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 big thing of the last two weeks is hooray my my local hobby stores are reopened this is a miracle um <laughs> uh because you know again wa is doing fine um the government tried to screw us on that but it's fine um and uh yeah so i was able to go to my local games workshop which i didn't realize how much i had been missing until i went got some stuff and then went and sat in my car and went ah. Uh, that was good. Um, <laughs> I just, I just miss seeing certain people. Retail therapy, and I, you know, I miss seeing my friends there, and a couple of them were there. I got to have a quick chat with them, which was nice. Um, so, in celebration of this, I went and spent a lot of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, uh, so I bought a Knight Valiant, uh, which is the one with the harpoon and the flamethrower, and I bought an Exorcist, the Sisters of Battle um, artillery piece. Uh, because last episode I discussed this, this is what I wanted to do for my next night, uh, and I said I was going to do it when the story opened, and the story opened about a month earlier than I thought it would, uh, but hey, I said I would, and I did. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> Also on the list of things I bought, I bought a cheap airbrush that I've messed around with just a little bit, just to try and figure out how it works, uh, seems simple but complicated enough, uh, I will probably use it mostly to paint terrain. But if I get a nicer actual brush, because this is like a compressor air, compressor airbrush jewel kit thing. Um, if I get an actual nicer brush, I'll might use it on minis. Uh, it, it'll be good for certain things, I'm sure. Uh, and a rotary tool uh, for making terrain, cleaning up bigger models, uh, drilling, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so sort of knuckling down on getting more tools of the trade to work with, which has been fun. Um, then then I got to building. Uh, I did probably the most nerve-wracking thing I've done in uh, since my return to the hobby, which was delicately carving out the top organ, like the the, the sitting organ and driver seat from the uh, from the Exorcist kit, is <laughs> attached to the whole top roof of that chassis, and so I delicately over the course of like an hour carved it and bent it and slowly pulled it apart without breaking the whole rest of the top of the vehicle off, um, <laughs> and that was pretty nerve-wracking. And then I went. And I did the same thing with the uh, the Knight Valiant top uh, armor because I wanted to keep that for something uh, in the future as well. And so I spent about an hour again delicately carving various bits and bobs off of that. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, like um, I'm I'm usually very uh very uh nonchalant when it comes to tearing these things apart, but the fact that I needed to do this actually delicately really gave me like a <laughs> a sense of a uh, sense of dread with that. Uh, but I got through it. <laughs> It's all good. Um, I used the remaining bits of the Exodus chassis with uh, the Death Guard Deimos Rhino doors and some other bits to start building a Deimos Rhino for my Death Guard. 
because uh, the one I got was a, li a little a little out of shape, so it's becoming a playburst crawler. But this is going to be a really nice uh, sort of ornamental, uh, almost like worshipful uh, of Nurgle uh, Rhino, which will be fun. I'm probably going to call it the Cradle of Filth, um, <laughs> <something> like that, <laughs> uh, nice. which will be fun. Yeah, um, I also then, uh, once I had the bits, started putting a knight together, so I've got the torso assembled with the top armor mostly assembled, um, got the harpoon mostly assembled, I've got the flamethrower assembled using the exhausts from the exorcist, because they have these big flaming braziers on top of them, uh, so it looks like it's still just cooling down after it's being fired, which I think is pretty cool. Um... Uh, I built the worm spat for Underworlds. Uh, they're Great. great. Love them. Yay. Uh, I also got Garrick's Reavers and turned them into a slave entourage and a, a Goliath Jew for Necromunda. Uh, because I'm, I'm now cursed, apparently. This is the one thing I love to do as much as Knights now is do Necromunda stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I built a murder cyborg for Necromunda by using Skitari and Imperial Guard bits, uh, which is a... It's a, it's a cyborg assassin used for one particular scenario in the game, uh, and I built it because I was going to play that scenario. Um, <laughs> uh, so I went and I played some Necromunda. I played Murder Cyborg, which is incredibly fun. Um, the gist is basically one ganger bet between the two teams playing is actually an assassin in disguise, and every time someone gets wounded, you roll a dice on a five up, it turns out they're the Murder Cyborg. They pop out, replace the old model, and... Uh, they start going on a killing spree. Um, you, you, you roll for what their actual objective is. They might want to get away from the other side of the board, or they might want to kill just the leaders, or you can have what happened with uh, my game, which is the cyborg wants to kill everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty nasty thing. It's basically the Terminator. It ignores being on fire. It can't get pinned, so if you shoot at it, it just stands up and takes the shots. Um it's got two bolt pistols and a shotgun with executioner rounds, which are the uh, seeker rounds that the Arbides use, which is crazy. <laughs> so nice it's got day. like plus two to hit with its shotgun at long range and stuff. I'm like, okay, jeez. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and the best thing it has is it has a displacer field, which has always been one of my favorite things from 40k lore, which is it's a personal defense shield, um, like a like an energy shield, like a Rosarius, but the way it defends you is if you're about to get hit, it teleports you away from what's about to hit you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and how this works in Necromunda is when you get hit, you roll a dice on a four up, you get teleported a number of inches equal to the strength of the hit in a random direction. Um, and the thing we realized is, A, when you set the murder cyborg on fire, fire does a single hit at the start of each of its turns, which can cause it to teleport. Also, if it falls, when it hits the ground, it can teleport sideways to avoid actually taking damage from the fall. Um, and this works in melee. So what happened at one point was um, my opponent, who was playing Kordor, uh, charged in with his leader, tried to cut the murder cyborg down with his axe, and the cyborg teleported six inches up, three inches across a crate, out into the open air, fell onto the ground, hit the ground, teleported three inches across the ground into combat with another person, and then properly <laughs> shot him in the head with a bolt pistol. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, I lost the game, but it was surprisingly close, considering how many guys I lost right at the start. I lost like most of my gang in the first two turns. Uh, but I had one guy left who was on fire and kept running away from the action until finally he put the fire out. 
and um, <laughs> he he got back to the action just in time to see the Cordor, uh, one of the Cordor champions, step in and finally take out the Murder Cyborg, which was the objective of the match. So I I lost, but not by much, uh, surprisingly, considering how bad it was at the start. Um, <laughs> it was it was a ton of fun. Uh, Cordor are stupid. Uh, there's a whole bunch of blast templates and everything's on fire all the time. It's insane. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, Necromunda remains to be a lot of fun. And there's a variant of that scenario where, uh, if you have multiple gangs, you put a whole bunch of servitors on the board and the gangs have to find out which servitors are up to three cyborg assassins in disguise. So you could do this like four player and have three of these things pop up. It would be so stupid. Amazing. Oh, wow. You single-handedly yeah. made me want to play Necromunda. Oh, yeah. Necromunda's great. That scenario um, sounds amazing. That scenario is so fun. Um, yeah, and like the, the cyborg showed up with like the second guy getting hurt in this case. Like they sniped one of my champions. He just stood back up with like the metal showing out of his skull and the da 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 starts playing in the background. <laughs> I hope you put the uh, I hope you put the Terminator soundtrack on while you played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> it was so good. You can't not. Um, yeah. Um, and speaking of Necromunda, uh, I did a lot of painting. Uh, I've finished painting my Goliath gang, except for the alternate builder of the leader, um, <laughs> instead of just the version of him with the heavy bolter. But the, the, the idea, the original idea I had for them is now fully painted. Uh, I'm really happy with them. I think they look great. I learned a lot painting them. I had a lot of fun painting them. Um, and it feels nice to have something complete. Um, yeah, they yeah, look yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep expanding them. Obviously, I've already built another Jew from Garrick's Reavers, and I've built a slave entourage for when they make eventually make an alliance with the Slavers Guild and stuff like that. But um, for now, the initial idea is done. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm counting this as campaign ready. I can go in with a fully painted gang and feel good about it. So that'll be fun. <laughs> um, I fully primed my Night Rampager, including the base and everything, and... He's surprisingly balanced, like I took some photos of him all assembled and nothing was glued in place, but he just fits together and stands on his base, even with none of the stuff on the base glued down. Not sure how that works, but sure, I'll take it. Uh, I've started doing just a little painting on him. Uh, I've done most of the painting on the guy hiding in a little shrine on the base, honestly. Uh, that's where I put most of my effort. Um, but uh, we're getting there, which is good because, I've, as I said, I've already bought and started building another night. I really should finish painting this one before I go too much further <laughs> with that <laughs> other one. Um, but uh, we'll get there. Uh, and the final thing I did was I have now read Wrath of the Everchosen for a mm. future show at some point. Uh, mm -hmm. It was fun. It's got some got some interesting uh, bits in it, and uh, I can't I can't spoil it too much. It's it does the usual thing of nothing's incredibly high stakes by the very end, but it sets things up interestingly for the future and does change some stuff and yeah. you know, keeps things moving forward a bit. It's not insane, but it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm happy with it, and th there's some great chaos stuff to use. Uh, yeah. In, in the game as well. Like some some of those legions of the the Nurgle and the Slanesh ones sound really fun. Uh, yeah. It'd be good to try them out one day. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's me. I, I did a lot. I was very busy. I yeah. wrote all this up and went, oh God, what have I done? <laughs> uh, <laughs> where am I getting all this time? Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. And yeah, of course, my hobby spotlight. Because mm. um, we've all got one. Uh, I was... Looking around uh, this weekend, looking for something interesting, and uh, earlier today, something caught my eye. It's Hobby Vices, at Hobby Vices on Twitter, uh, has been working on doing some Inquisition Forces before 9th edition, um, and he's done a, an Inquisitor in Terminator armor who looks absolutely magnificent. 
Uh, he's got the flaming sword from the uh, Battle Wizards kit. He's done like object source lighting. So there's just this dull red glow going up the Inquisition symbol on his arm. <laughs> uh, and he's got, <laughs> this is my favorite bit, he's got one of those little uh, shields in front of his shoulder pauldron that just has yeah. hate written on the scroll work. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems very old school 40k. Um, yeah, it, it's just a super cool super cool little dude uh and i hope as he hopes that ninth edition will let you actually use inquisition without completely destroying your uh imperium army to do it yeah. but we'll see <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very cool actually and it's funny mm. you should say about the 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 shield thing because i saw a debate online recently where they were sort of deciding this i can't remember it was on reddit mm. i think and they were sort of deciding where the shield should go like on yeah. a model there was sort of an argument yeah. like is it does it go on the chest does it go on the shoulder and then there was arguments about it's actually there to protect the armpit and things like mm. that and you know oh, it's like sense. no one came yeah. to a d- definitive answer in the end that <laughs> <It> was, the, <laughs> it was the summary not. of it <laughs> <laughs> so put them where you feel is best is probably the, the, mm-hmm. the best answer <laughs> yeah cool no, you've been a busy lad glad to hear it mm. right okay uh my turn um mm. i've sort of um, not been that busy i think because i've been doing non-warhammer stuff um yeah. to say <laughs> really i've been <laughs> trying to spend you know more more time with my family that sounds bad but you know what i mean as in just because of work and <laughs> yes. other commitments like I, you know i was trying to mm. spend more you know do more family time so i've done I've, you know i've done a, a bits and bobs really um i it was my as you guys know because you both were very generous and got me some mm-hmm. lovely gifts it was my birthday recently um mm-hmm. and so i've been you know uh stocking up on my cities of sigma stuff because i've now got a harkanum i've got a box of dark shards some handgunners and the mm-hmm. frost slash flame spire phoenix as well to do mm-hmm. some really cool stuff so um my plan which i haven't actually started apart from just getting pieces ready on the table is to do a harkanum conversion so my plan is take the harkanum try and not have so much of the the uh sort of odds and ends on it sort of keep it quite simple and so rather than the big globe thing on the on the top i'm going to put the stormcast uh endless spell on there the the vortex one uh on the Mm. top instead uh which i think will look really cool i'm hoping you know my bread in my brain it sounds really good but uh, (laughs) i'm hoping when i actually start it will be so uh it'll just again just to be uh, a bit different because i find i love the hurricane model but the the globe thing with all the the planets and such like Mm. can be a bit you know it's a bit busy so i wanted to try and keep you know sort of scale it back a bit really um and then my plan is it's going to be from gur so i'm going to put the uh the wizard lady from the godsworn hunt that you got me cameron yeah. um, whatever her name is uh and i'm going to put her on the sort of on the little parapet bit at the, at the front as well so and then mm-hmm. i'll probably do whatever comes to mind at the time really sort of put some put some skulls on it and you know make it yeah. all yeah. girl like really so that's uh something i've sort of started um cool. i've uh, most of my hobby stuff really has been putting endless spells together <laughs> so like the everblaze <laughs> comet the etherfoid pendulum the umbral spell portal the emerald life swarm things like that i've been just putting them together mm. while we've been chatting like uh, you know during the streams and, and things like that really yeah. so um uh, i put a lord of Carnum together uh i've put a battle mage together which is the old high elf from island of blood uh i also mm-hmm. bought because i already own it but uh because mm-hmm. i'm going to be sending 
a uh, copy of it to Stephen soon, which is Knight in Cantor Alexandria Azurbolt from the uh, the con- uh, the sort of not conquest the Mortal Realms magazines. And I like that model so much, I bought myself another one for myself <laughs> and put her together. She's a lovely model. She isn't. She's really, yeah. really nice. Probably the best looking, I think, knight in Cantor, really, out of all of them. So yeah, she's uh, super good. Yeah. Yeah, she's mm. just really nice, and I, I think so. What I've done is I've I've just put her on one of the the sort of sculpted bases from the easy to build uh, sequitur kits because I got a load of them mm. from the first Mortal Realms magazine because I bought about six of them. Yeah. So so <laughs> so I've used that base because it just makes it a bit more interesting and and such. Mm. Um, I think model wise, that's it really. Um, wow. So I've been. But mainly buying stuff, really, because, again, in combination with my birthday and, and such like, I've got quite a few books. I've got the Great Devourer uh, books, uh, which is the Tyranid ones. I've got the Realmgate Wars mm. books. Uh, I've got Storm of Iron. I've got the World Engine. I've got a few of the uh, ones on Audible, like um, Cadian Honor, not Canadian. Um, see, before anyone says anything, um, mm. Brothers of the Snake <laughs> as well. Um, so, yeah, I've got a few books to get through at some point. Uh, video game-wise, bought... Total War, Warhammer 2 the other day, because it's on sale at the moment. Looking forward to playing that. Uh, It Mm. it looks so good. And I know, because people are saying, uh, because obviously, Stephen, you've played it, is is it very complicated? Because people keep saying it's complicated. Yeah, it is. I definitely think, I mean, I've put, in fact, I'm at my computer, so I can tell you exactly my shame in this game. (laughs) But it's pretty high. I've put 123 hours into it. Wow. and that's that's the lowest number of people I know who play it. Like Ooh. I know people who put hundreds of hours into it, but it's it definitely is complicated. But I think the the issue of it is it doesn't it doesn't tell you a lot of things. There's a lot of mm. hidden information that you um that you kind of have to know or have told to you, like how um like how the economy works and how it's best to build your mm. cities up and stuff like that because it makes a huge difference. Um, there's a few good YouTube channels out there though that I definitely recommend watching, okay. um, and they really they help a lot. Like you watch a few of those videos and you'll be you'll be getting the hang of it. But man, I love that game so much, <laughs> it's so fun. Well, I've I've been resisting it for a while. I don't know why really because I I've, I own so many Warhammer video games, obviously, and it, it's mm. just one that I've been holding off for a while and it's gone on sale a few times and just never picked up and i just thought no i must get this because it's just yeah, it looks they, just too nice they, really. the, the guys at total war absolutely nailed it with the second mm. one like it's such a good representation of like because you can like you play i generally play it co-op with like the campaign mode where you play it co-op with a friend and mm. you have the entire old world and every faction on it and it's like oh. just this long epic campaign of like conquest and uh alliances and, and epic battles and stuff but it's uh yeah, it, it's up there of like one of my favorite GW license games. I think of all time, it's like mm. Dawn of War two level of of excellent. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean that's yeah, that's a great game as well. I remember I played the campaign of Dawn of War two co op as well, and it was just such a fun experience. So no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it again. It's just like everything. It's just finding those are uh, those 120 hours I need to do it. Um, <laughs> and uh, talking <laughs> of video games as well, I myself and Cameron were given. Mm. the dlc for warhammer uh online uh sorry warhammer yes. underworld, underworld online, online which is um yes. thorns of the briar queen so very mm. big thank you to the devs over there for giving us a copy of that so no doubt next episode we will comment about that and see how good that's shaping up um i think that's it for me right like i said it's just been a bit of building 
um, and been a, a lucky boy because I've been get, getting lots of nice little things from people. So it's been it's been really mm-hmm. nice. Um, right, I think my hobby highlight for this episode will be a YouTube channel called All Specs Tactics, which I've been talking about on our Discord and obviously I suggested mm-hmm. to you recently, Stephen, as well. So All Specs Tactics is a 40k youtube channel um i suppose on similar lines to what you were saying about the aos coach in sense but Mm. basically he he does videos by himself he doesn't have guests on but basically he'll talk about armies he'll talk about books he'll talk about uh the news but basically he's coming from a 40k competitive point of view but also from a money saving point of view at times you'll try and find mm. the best ways to get basically get mo- i think his motto is getting table you know getting models on the tabletop in the, sort of basically the most efficient way possible really so he'll you know comes up with some nice videos of like oh you get this kit take these models that'll be so many points and before you know it here you go you've got a thousand points um but i just like the way he delivers his stuff really he's yeah mm. he's you know he's competitive minded but without the arrogance that can sometimes come with competitive content uh, again, he's a bit like the coach where I don't feel he's sort of, you know, trying to, you know, patronize people. It's like, no, you know, if you want to, mm. to you know, use this unit, this is the pros, this is the cons. And he goes into some real, you know, detail about those sort of things, really. So, uh, yeah, and he's, he's a, you know, his channel's really growing at the moment. And, uh, yeah, and he's he's got a nice voice to listen to as well. <laughs> he's he's the, got a very good radio voice. Yeah, mm. <laughs> which is one of the, the, probably the best comments he often gets, really. He's like, I can just listen to your voice for hours. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, all spec tactics on, uh, on YouTube. If you, like I said, you're into you know, competitive 40k or like I said, stuff where you want to sort of, uh, learn the most efficient models to buy, you know, you know, money wise and mm-hmm. such like then. Yeah, definitely check him out. Cool. Right. Okay. I think that's been our hobby section. We've, like I said, we've been busy lads. We've been up to stuff. Um, yeah. so I think we're now going to take our first little break. Uh, and when we return, I think we may have some 40k news. I think, uh, no, we'll, we'll, nothing. We'll see. Just a yeah. Fine. We'll see. <laughs> Back soon. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back to talk news. Um, maybe some mm. big news. We'll see. Let's uh, let's see what Cameron has to say. Sir, take us into the news. It's ninth edition, everyone. It's 40k. And we don't have any Age of Sigma news. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, we we said last recording that um there was going to be a reveal of some kind, and that we probably have more to talk about. We probably thought it would be just the Silent King. Uh, that we would have more to talk about about, uh, but it's a lot of stuff, uh, because we, we got the reveal stream for Warhammer 40,000 ninth edition or hashtag new 40k. Mm. Um, as they, as they keep saying, um, I, part of my brain is convinced they actually haven't officially said the term ninth edition yet, but they probably have somewhere. Mm. Oh, I, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. I don't think they've called it ninth edition anywhere no. yet. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if they're intentionally avoiding that or, or what the deal is, but mm. I've never, I've not heard any official ninth edition. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, I don't want the, uh, the Nintendo 3DS situation where you have the 3DS <laughs> and you have the new 3DS and the name is the new 3DS. I feel I've gone through this with someone before. Yeah, you, um, I think you were, do, you were you were saying that when we were watching the stream live. Mm, I think, 
Yeah, because I, I had to sell my new Nintendo 3DS, and I saw it on Facebook Marketplace, and someone's like, oh, it's brand new. It's like, no, no, I've had it for three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's its, it's name. Just, that, no, it's that's condition. the name of the product. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they have. I, don't, I mean, I, I can't remember mm. if they said anything in the FAQ stream they did on Twitch, but yeah, I don't think anywhere they put ninth edition, and maybe they're trying to get away yeah. from that. They just want it to be like, well, the numbers are relevant. It doesn't matter. It's a new edition. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> That's all you need to care K. about. <laughs> Yeah. Until we get to edition 40,000, does it really matter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, because there's a lot to talk about, we are going to go through this in the order in our little document. So the first things first for ninth edition, the very first thing we saw was um, Games Workshop flexing that animation studio they built because, <laughs> wow, was that an intense, incredible-to-look-at trailer. Um, we had essentially Necrons attacking Imperial forces, but... God, I've I've watched this trailer probably like ten times. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I remember when I remember when Wizards started doing uh, CG mm. trailers when they announced new magic sets, and I was like, "Oh, this is nice that they've started doing this." Mm. But then when I saw the 4K mm. one, I was like, "Oh my god!" The child inside of me just squealed yeah. with joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this is what the face renders from the last big reveal were for of the Sister of Battle and the Space Marine. Um, and yeah, no, it is the the level of detail here, the 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 um the the, the, the verisimilitude. Can you even say that about a 40k product? Um, <laughs> the <laughs> it, it feels so good to see this animated so well so beautifully and clearly um necron seem terrible and villainous uh we get cadian or i guess regular standard troopers i don't know if they're cadian specifically defending a line we see gauss weapons in action and they are worse than i imagined <laughs> yeah, that, that first death is horrific <laughs> oh man just just the guy crumbling backwards and the skull just sits for a second and then the skull also crumbles away <laughs> i love the little there's a little detail in that that I noticed, like mm. watching it on the like tenth time, is that when the guy gets hit by it, he's immediately mm. on the ground and melting. And when later mm. on in the video, when the space marines get hit by it, they just take a knee. They're yeah. just yeah. like, oh, this yeah. is this is yeah. mildly inconvenient. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, you've stopped my stride. <laughs> yeah, and there's like Gauss beams eating away at cover and stuff like that. It's so cool. Mm. I think that was yeah. my favorite little detail is you you know they're bunkered behind a little wall and you see the wall just start dissolving into green yeah. light. You're like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I, I really liked about it, and it's I'm saying something quite obvious, is I like the mm. fact they sort of encapsulated the three factions, well four if you include the the uh, Imperial Guard as well. They're all mm. sort of doing what they would you'd expect them to be. The Necrons are being quite yeah. sort of, you know, quietly you know, evil. They're not like, ha ha ha. Mm. They're just sort of just being, you know, just being methodical with what they're doing. You know, the, mm. the sister of battle is, you know, using her faith to sort of, you know, heal herself. And then obviously mm. the Marines are sort of getting down to business, you know, tearing stuff up with chainsaws. It's, it, mm. you know, it's an obvious thing, but I like the fact that they've sort of summarized what these factions do. And like you yeah. said, like you said, Stephen, with like the kid in you is like, yes, I want to see this so much. <laughs> well, I think the last time a GW trailer affected me that way was when the first Dawn of War game came out, and that mm. intro trailer oh was God. just so forty mm. k. Yes. It was unbelievable. Mm. I was like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Mm. And this is like, there's been trailers since then that have been okay, yeah. but this mm. was like. This was like, yeah, like you said, Cameron, this was freaking Games Workshop coming out, all barrels firing, like, this is what <laughs> we're doing now. 
Yeah. And it felt yeah, and good. Like, <laughs> yeah. And th- this is just, it's a trailer for a new edition, but it is just like a trailer. Like, give this, give the studio a year and a half and this, this level of care and we could have a little, uh, an hour and a half movie. <laughs> like mm. I wonder level. if I wonder if they saw Astartes and were like, guys, we've got to start doing something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy yeah. is kicking our ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And this trailer was also really good. No, it, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It shows off all the factions. Well, <clears throat> the guard just hiding behind a wall. Cough. Cough. Um. Um. <laughs> but uh, we also saw some new and interesting things in this, namely, uh. Primaris Marines with melee weapons? What? <laughs> That's not correct. They don't fight in close combat. <laughs> <laughs> One guy um, had a guy in his shield. Yeah. yeah. Someone. I've seen a lot of jokes about, you know, where are the firstborn Marines? Oh, there they are. <laughs> Just, <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. On a shield. <laughs> oh, that's brutal, but hilarious. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So uh, we are getting new Primaris Marines. Primaris Marines are getting a little more fighty. Uh, we are getting assault intercessors, which are just mm. intercessors with heavy bolt pistols and chainsaws, um, which is going to be interesting. And um, the reason I really like this is, A, the models look brilliant. They're all in these great dynamic running poses. Um, there's a guy who hasn't even got his chainsaw out. He's that confident about what he's doing. Um, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but... Uh, in 8th edition, shooting is king, for the most part, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, me- melee is a little difficult to do, um, and if you really dedicate to it, you're probably not going to do well in, like, the highly competitive level. The fact that the flagship faction is getting, uh, by, by which I mean just Space Marines in general, is getting, like, more close combat dedicated units probably means melee is going to be a bit better, which would be nice, because I-, I-, I have these memories of, like, 4th and 5th edition where it's like, yes, shooting was good, but also, you could just run a horde of melee gu- melee guys in and still do well in a game, and stuff like that. Um, but you know, I diverge. So we got we got assault intercessors. We've got uh, we've uh, and they were the only thing shown in the actual reveal. But we've seen more since. Uh, we have Primaris bikers. Everyone's very happy about that. Um, <laughs> they they seem really cool. Um, little Akira style bikes almost. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, um, we have Blade Guard veterans, I believe they are called, which are Primaris with Storm Shields and Power Swords, who look mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. yep. Uh, we have a Primaris Lieutenant, who could forget, um, <laughs> <laughs> with a Storm Shield, Power Sword, and a Volkite Pistol, or a yeah. Neo-Volkite Pistol, uh, so Volkite's coming back, baby, which Damn I am right. all about. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Belisarius Cole finally figured out how to make it less expensive to produce, I guess. Um... <laughs> There is, of course, a Primaris captain with the shield with whole guy strapped to the front, which I think is going to be fun. <laughs> is that his name? <laughs> yeah. Whole guy shield. Uh, yeah, whole guy shield. Um, there is an interesting unit which appear to be... Uh, they look like aggressors armed with two-handed melter guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not sure what they yeah. are yet. Some kind of new devastator. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be interesting and, like... um. There is, there is a chaplain in there as well, and then there is a judiciar, 
who mm. is uh, Mr. Mr. Emo Stormcast Space Marine, and I love him very much. Um, he is amazing. Yeah, he's he's got that kind of sculpted leg armor that's very reminiscent of Stormcast, although it does mm. appear on the current Primaris Chaplain. Uh, he has a very weird helmet that is like the skull helmet, but with like a bandana over the mouth. Um, and then he has the greatest of all swords. He has an Executioner's Greatsword, which is the mm. flat-headed... Uh, sword used in medieval Germany to kill uh, to kill people at uh, public executions. Who knew? <laughs> um, there is a. I'm going to address a rumor here because I've seen a data sheet floating around that says he gets to re-roll hit and wound rolls against uh, keyword firstborn uh, enemy. Okay, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true, but if it is, I'm calling a Primaris firstborn civil war happening at yeah, some point yeah, in night. Because <laughs> why else do they have this guy whose role is entirely to kill old Marines? Mm. Um, apparently, that's pretty. It's pretty on the nose of GW to build a new character whose job is to literally murder the old guard. Like that seems, <laughs> that seems on the nose mm. even for them. Yeah, like I, I don't think it's true, but if it turns out to be true, it will be very interesting. <laughs> mm. We'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, so these new Primaris, Primaris Marines, um, my view is they look, they look fucking awesome, man. I don't know yeah. what else to tell you. Yeah, um, I, I agree I, with they're that. They're amazing. I mean, yeah. 10 out of 10, they are. I was, Absolutely. I was really worried with like the second or third wave of Primaris being quite mm. these spec ops type guys mm. with the light armor. I was like, you know, this isn't really the direction I kind of want to see the Marines go for me personally because I like, mm. you know, Blood Angels and the knightly sort of, gothic style of them being like crusaders yeah. so this yeah. this new box ferret speaks to me a lot <laughs> oh yeah everyone in yeah. it is a, is a questing <laughs> knight badass yeah, yeah. and th- this plays into the thing where like primaris marines when they first came out were like fresh out of the vats on mars and mm. stuff like that and now they've had this couple of hundred years to achieve veteran status and fully integrate themselves into their chapters cultures and really doll themselves up with all these kinds of gothic bling um, <laughs> they look, they look so cool. Um, yeah. I kind of, kind of want to do flesh terrors, not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> if I can take assault intercessors as troops, I'll be considering it. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, that'd be very cool. I was thinking all the uh, Space Wolves and uh, Blood Angels oh, players yeah. will be rubbing their yeah, hands at the moment. Oh, hell yeah. Just need some jetpacks <laughs> yeah. now and we're, we're, we're ready for business. <laughs> Give me some jetpacks. <laughs> I like. I'm, I must admit, I like the um, the balance that they've done with these. I like the fact that obviously you, the assault incest. I like that first of all that they've given them an, an appropriate name. I like the fact that they've mm. not given them a separate name. It's just like no, they're incestors. <laughs> they're just assault incestors rather than. You didn't want of, them to be intercutioners or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, just throwing something else into the mix. So that's really good that they've done that. And and yeah and the the outriders look amazing the bikes and yeah I, I just think i don't feel there's anything in there that i think wow that's not really that good i think the only only small thing i would change is probably the head on the um judicia to be honest just, yeah. Well, guys, you know, yeah if you're not if you're not gonna wear a helmet you have to wear a mask to protect yourself when you go outside and yeah. we, can't, <laughs> we can't mock a space marine for doing the same thing no exactly. he's just being socially conscious he's wearing his bandana <laughs> like a good boy yeah yeah, you know, yeah. He, but I do want to give him uh, Shrike's Primaris head with the hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. I th- there's I been think some, I've seen been some amazing yeah. uh, Photoshop jobs <laughs> yeah. of that model. Like mm. I love the one with the space wolf where he's got these pet wolf with him. Yeah, and- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, this is going to be the next Tolkien voted on. Is we're going to have uh, <laughs> your own Judicia. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Yeah, uh, they look incredible. And lined up to oppose them is something, I would say, more incredible because we are getting new Necrons. Mm. Um, Necrons appear to be getting essentially a full range revamp, which, honestly, they really needed. Um, green rods are no more. Any kit with green rods, be gone. As far as we can tell, at least. Um, I'm pretty sure destroyers in general will be going as well. Um, this new aesthetic is very, very cool. Um, the base warriors are now all kind of beat up and undead looking, full of holes and dents because, uh, as the Warhammer community says, uh, they're not as important. So they're sort of last in line for repairs at any given time. So they tend to be real worn down compared to the immortals and the overlords and stuff. So cool. Good, good explanation for that. Bringing them a little bit more to their undead robot zombie army roots, which I like. Um, we are getting Scorpec destroyers and the Scorpec Lord, which are just giant trident melee necrons, which are awesome. Um, <laughs> we're, we're getting a new monolith, which looks Enormous. It is enormous. It is huge. It's built out of these, like, pillars of blackstone with lightning arcing in between them, with warriors forming out of the lightning. Um, it's, it's incredible. There are these massive, like, War of the World, but with four legs, walker, tripod alien things with, um, destroyer cannons and death rays on top of them and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of units that we don't know what they are. Quite frankly, we've seen mm-hmm. um, we've seen what everyone is pretty sure is a heavy destroyer. We've seen what everyone is assuming is a new Catan shard, uh, which, God, that that model looks insane. It's got a spear, big wings, a big tail. It's floating around. Um, then there's there's stuff like uh, the tentatively titled Necron Pope. Uh, who in that army <laughs> shot is floating like the bottom left-hand corner. He's just this tall sort of rogues necron, necron with a couple of tied-up attendants. Um, <laughs> Does yeah, he have a katan um, like behind him screaming or something? Is that, oh, is that on that, his that, barge? That's like... the Silent King. Uh, the Silent yeah. King, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and there's the Silent King. Yep, floating oh, are you talking about something else? Barge. Yeah, yeah if you look at, uh, if in you look the, at the front left of that big image. Uh, oh, so the, Directly the below the monolith. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's the Silent King floating around on his big barge with two cryptex with the tortured shard of a katan just kind of strapped to the top of his throne. I mean, if that isn't a power play, I don't know, I don't know what is. You're gonna, yeah. I've got a, as a dashboard accessory, I have a screaming (laughs) god. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it seems to be, like, his model seems to be a unit, so it's sort of catacrosy because it's this big central thing of him, but then on two separate bases are these enormous sarcophagi floating um and i i want to wonder if the silent king comes as part of the unit with two shards of the katan and when you wound him enough one gets released when you wound him some more the other gets released or something like that oh you're like literally beating down the sarcophagi to get to him or something might not be that cool who knows but it could be (laughs) that cool who knows it's a mystery i think that i think that looking at Looking at the shard, <laughs> uh, the new, the potential new shard, it looks like mm. it's got like Necron equipment on it. So I wonder if that's a shard mm. and he's like jammed a control helmet onto it or something. Yeah. And he's like, he's just controlling mm. it. So it's not of its free will like the other, mm. the other ones have been. It's actually like he's literally controlling it like a puppet. Yeah. That would be so cool. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, as far as I can tell from all this, there's also this weird, like, stalking thingy hidden in the background of that shot. There's a whole bunch of new stuff. 
it's all incredible. Um, there, there are a few kits not getting updated, so like the Immortals, the Canoptic Spiders, the Wraiths, um, the Tesseract Vault, and that kind of stuff, but like those are the things that are in general pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay. The old stuff is getting an upgrade, which seems great. I like, I can't, I can't say absolutely everyone's getting an upgrade. There's probably a few characters who are going to stay in fine cast for a bit longer, but it, it, it's one of those big, big revamps of a whole line, which is so cool. Like, what, what else do you want from that as a Necron <laughs> player? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing, uh, new, army release it's like all the kits look mm. like, i love those those big tripod walkery war of the worlds things yeah <laughs> they're just as yeah. soon as i saw them i was like well i guess i'm owning one of those at least because yeah. like, war of the worlds <laughs> are one of my favorite books i was like well that's pretty much as close as i'm getting so i'm having <laughs> one of those but yeah. the question is yeah. cameron when are you going to mount the giant monolith onto a titan uh, onto <laughs> a uh, a knight that's the real question oh my god it might be a bit big for a knight but the titan idea I, I could see like a war a warlord titan that uh, a rogue mechanicus cult in service to the Necrons had just strapped a monolith to. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Future projects. Uh, I'm, no, I'm waiting for I your spin-off show, to do that. Cameron. I was going to say, I'm waiting <laughs> yeah. for your spin-off show, like the TV shows. You know where they bring something in, like an old bike, and then they've got a bike expert <laughs> yeah. who who redoes it up. I can imagine, like, oh, I just want to turn this into a night. Well, that'll take about twelve hours and about yeah, five hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cameron comes into oh. your home and uh, sends you on a week holiday, and when you come back, your entire army is converted to be knights. <laughs> That I could do. <laughs> oh my god! All right, where's the back um, end of my car gone? <laughs> I needed terrain. <laughs> Dumb question. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. Uh, so presumably these are going to be the two halves of the new starter set. Not absolutely everything we've talked about for the Necrons, of course, but all the new Space Marine stuff seems to be the Space Marine half of the new starter set. On the Necron side, you'll have a bunch of warriors, some destroyers, new scarabs, which will be nice, uh, the Scorpec mm-hmm. Lord, uh, one of those Walker, War of the Worlds walk- walkers. I don't know what else to call them until we get an actual name. Um, looks like that's going to be the new starter set. Uh, rumors are putting it at about 120 pounds due mm-hmm. to um, Games Workshop running a newsletter prize thingamajig. Part of me suspects it might not be that much and that the prize might be the starter set plus a Necron Codex, in which case it would be more towards the normal price for a starter set. Um, but we'll see. Um, either way, it looks like it's going to be packed to the brim with absolutely awesome shit. So mm-hmm. I, I'm trying not to get it, but I might end up <laughs> getting it. Just they, they both look so cool. I'm not even pretending that I'm not going to buy that thing day one. I'm just yeah, like, yeah, pretend. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but new edition, new games workshop, something we've actually talked about a decent bit. Uh, we are getting a 40k app mm. and. And, and, and when you buy a digital, when you buy a codex from Games Workshop for 9th edition onwards, you will get the digital rules for free with your purchase to unlock in the app. Mm. Yes. 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 It took so long. (laughs) (laughs) It took so long, but we are there. They're doing, (laughs) they're doing better than Wizards of the Coast with Dungeons and Dragons supplements. I'll give them that. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I really hope this app is good is all I can say for that. If it is good, like, if it is as good as Battlescribe or better, I will be happy because that's well, the AOS app is, right uh, now. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it is really good. I've not used the, the AOS the app, so. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, if it's anything like that, 
it'll be it'll be really good because at least with the Zero app, like I said, you mm-hmm. get obviously all the War Scrolls and the fact that you it's just nicely navigate. You know, it's a nice way to navigate around your army, mm-hmm. and you know you can choose whether it's you know open narrative or um, or match play, etc. So yeah, if they base it, even if it's half as good as Zero, it'll be a bit better mm-hmm. better than anything. You know, that yeah. I think some of us would imagine. To be fair, well, that's that's one thing they haven't clarified yet is that yes. um, they haven't clarified if, if the app will have all of the data sheets in mm. and then the rules you'll mm. get from from the book purchase yeah. unlocked will be all the uh, battalions and abilities because that's how the AOS one works. You get all the scrolls, but you don't get all the stuff mm. in the army book like the, yeah. the specific right. battalions, the special rules, right. the items. So I'm like, I'm wondering if they're doing that to make the game immediately accessible for everyone. So you've got the, if you just want to play the data sheets, you can but then if you mm. want to have, like, if you want to build your proper army list with all your detachment rules and special abilities and all those, uh, you know, the, mm. the, what are they called, the tactics or the, the abilities that you spend your command points on, all those things. Yeah, um, yeah. You'll need the book stratagems, to, yeah. for those. Stratagems, yeah. that's the word, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's, a do, it's, a, it's a funny one because I suppose this is where things could get a bit imbalanced to be honest because obviously at the moment you could argue, like we've said before on here, that they're, they're a bit imbalanced at the moment. I, you know, for... If you're AOS, you're like, here you go, you have War Scrolls uh, for free. And obviously 40k, you don't get the data sheets for free. And it's, you know, at the moment, it's, it's definitely swung in the way of AOS. Whereas if they start giving the data sheets and then obviously the other things about like where you get the codex digitally and such like, then it swings it back in the favour of 40k because then the AOS people mm-hmm. can go, well, hang on you know, what's happening with our battle times. We're not getting digital versions. So I suppose this yeah. this is where I think they may just meet sort of halfway where you still don't mm. get the data sheets and, and things like that. But as a compromise, like I said, if you buy a physical codex, you get a digital version in it. So I don't know. I, I think mm. it, it'd be great if they do the data yeah. sheets, free rules, plus, you know, the, the, the digital codex for free. Um, but I don't know. It's almost like I feel like that'll be too much for them giving away. And then, like I said, you'll get the AOS people. Yeah. Sort of a bit of yeah, because yeah, that, that, that kind of upsets me. Because I kind of I, I want them to stop leapfrogging in terms of the mm. advancement. That like mm. okay, so AOS did these things, and the next edition of 40k does these new things. It's like you know they've got the the resources now. They they the company is doing insanely well. It's like I kind of just want them to bring the games in line in terms of what each one provides. It's just the different settings. Mm. So if I if I'm playing 40k. I want an app that has all my rules. I want to buy books that I get the rules digitally as well. But I also yeah. want that for Age of Sigma. I don't want them to keep leapfrogging over each other in terms mm. of advancement. So, you know, I want, I kind of just want them to come out after the launch 4K and be like, oh, and by the way, we've updated the AOS app and now it's the same. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally books agree. all have the rules in Totally it. agree. I, it's yeah. just, I suppose yeah. it's just the reality of it, I suppose. I, I, I agree. I think that they shouldn't keep leapfrogging because I think it's, like you said, it, this this should be the way things are. I mean, they've set they've set it with AOS that, that you, like I said, you get war skulls for free. So why are not the data sheets for, for free? Again, we'll wait to see what comes of that. But if they're not, like I said, it'll be a real shame. But yeah, I, I suppose it's, I don't know. Is it because they're different teams? Do they sort of look at things in a different way? I don't. I don't know. It's a bit odd at times. But we'll I mean, see. They have yeah. different teams, but I can't. I can't imagine from a business sense they they have different teams. They look at it from a from a business sense, at, mm. from you know all angles, I imagine it's like what's it's a way, way what best ways keep your customers engaged and interacting with the hobby, and mm. you know the obvious like the obvious answer in 
2020 is to if you buy a digital copy of your rules we want you to not have to cart your giant books around mm-hmm. so you get yeah. the rules in your app mm. that yeah. seems like an obvious yeah. thing to do yeah mm, i just absolutely. don't want to wait two years to be able to do that in age of sigma <laughs> no no yeah hopefully <laughs> no. not my my ideal world is it it is it would be like aos but with the plus on there so you get the data sheets in the app regardless and then if you buy the codex you get a code you put in the app that says okay now that you've bought the codex physically uh, or digitally if you buy the digital codex you get the code for the app as well um and then just unlocks when you build the arm it'll say okay here's the stratagems available to you do you want to play any of these stratagems here's you know all the granular little things and stuff like that so have have the simple version for free and then like if you buy a codex you get the the complicated in-depth version but uh we'll we'll see i guess mm. in a probably like a month's time um all right. Uh, some rules are changing. Uh, ninth edition is going to be a bit more like H Sigma second edition, where it's not an incredibly huge overhaul, but I think it's a bit more of a step up than that uh, because some interesting things are changing. Um, importantly, terrain will probably actually matter in 40k, which is nice <laughs> because in the games I've played, it has not really done anything. It has just sort of sat there. Um, uh, so you can do things like get bonuses for defending a building from within the building, stuff like that. So you can take cover in a building and defend it. You can sneak through terrain to defend yourself against ranged attacks. Um, there will be presumably more terrain. It will be more important, which is good. I like I like it when the, the nice-looking board is not just nice-looking, but actually affects the game in a significant way. Um, and will be one way to help boost up melee armies if you can actually protect your units by running them through cover as opposed mm-hmm. to just having to... Well, they're in the ruins, but you could see them through that doorway just a little tiny bit, so I guess the entire unit has been shot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could so... see half an antennae. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we are also getting updates to tanks because uh, tanks are not bad currently, but... There are some issues with them, such as if I have three guardsmen walk up and stand next to a land raider, the land raider cannot shoot, and it has to retreat <laughs> from combat, and that means it won't be able to shoot or charge that turn, which I feel is a little off. Um, so now tanks can shoot in combat. Um, I'm not saying I want tank shock back and just let me drive my tanks into enemy units, but that would be fun. Um, but yeah, uh, so if you, you can't really lock a tank in combat anymore, which is nice. Um... Uh, now, it's not been clarified if they can shoot only at the unit attacking the tank or if they can just shoot at whatever target. I mm-hmm. kind of hope it's whatever target because I don't, I have a nice image in my mind of a plague burst crawler getting attacked in melee by a bunch of marines using its spons and flamers to flame them while the mortar still just pounds away at distant targets and stuff. Yeah. But, um, mm, makes sense. Yeah, we'll that's, see. A good, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 Um, there are new rules coming for dealing with just big, uh, big hordes of enemies as well, because, uh, blast weapons, quote unquote, so anything that would have had a blast template in previous editions, um, are getting a bit of a boost against, uh, they, they just say hordes. My brain is going units of 10 or more models when they <laughs> say that, but we'll see. Um, it's, th- what they've said is, will deal maximum damage against hordes. So what my brain is saying is we'll roll the maximum number of shots against hordes is what makes the most sense to me. Um, but again, we'll see on 
that and um, yeah, I think they they said they're going to clarify in the appendix for the rules mm. what bla- how blast weapons are going to work because I think obviously the fear is from people is there could be some shenanigans with hordes you know when they're sort of saying that mm. a horde is you know eleven models or more so they're like right well I'll have you know ten or nine you know like those sort of people will yeah. manipulate the numbers potentially in their oh, units yeah. so it doesn't count as a horde so I think there's going to be a bit of clarity on that because otherwise yeah there could yeah. be some shenanigans going yeah. on. I don't yeah. know how you get around that. If they if they make it a specific number, people are always gonna go Take below that less. number. If they yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I don't know how yeah. you I don't know how you really stop people yeah. abusing that. I mean, it, it disincentivizes the larger groups or gives a bit of balance to them. Like part part of the issue with big numbers is that there are some units that you just can't shoot off the table in a couple of turns of shooting these days. Um, Looking at, looking at you, person who brings 180 orc boys to a game, <laughs> um, and in in, the, in that case, you probably are still going to bring these big units. It's just your opponent will have a slightly easier time at least getting one or two of them out of the way, as opposed to doing the thing where I've brought literally too many wounds for you to statistically cause over a standard game, <laughs> therefore I will probably win. Um and we we actually have seen maybe the start of how this might work in one of the engine war previews. I'll skip a tiny bit ahead just for that because uh, there is a strategy for armagers with the auto cannons uh, against units of six or more models. They automatically get the max number of shots uh, with this stratagem on their auto cannon. So it might be something like that. It it yeah it'll be it, in my mind. It's basically if unit is bigger than X get max shots um and yeah so we'll see we'll see what's coming with that um they've also they've also said flyers are going to be very interesting with lots of bombing runs and stuff uh apparently this means they might be able to leave the board mid-game and return later which i think is very interesting mm-hmm. um yeah flyers are cool uh not really i fought a single flyer in all my eighth edition games so <laughs> don't know what else to do about that um but hey, it seems cool uh, what is really interesting for me, and I'm assuming probably to the two of you as well, is they've also talked about something called Crusade, mm. which is a new narrative campaign where units can uh, <clears throat> veteran up over the course of battles, like they can gain experience and become more advanced and earn advances and things like that. Um, we have no information about how this works, but the graphic is a scout becoming some kind of veteran. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I really like that idea. Um, <clears throat> My pie in the sky dream of this is like a big global online tracker where you enter in hmm. your games as you do them and keep track of them there. It's probably not quite that advanced, but uh, who knows? It might be if they're touting it as a full feature of the edition. So, um, yeah, what do, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I think it's 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 a really cool feature. I think what feeds into that that I'm excited about is the that they've optimized the game rules and the scenarios to be played at lots of different point variances. So it's mm. not just optimized for like 1500 point tournament play that they've actually done yeah. custom scenarios <clears throat> for smaller games because, um, mm. you know, chances are when this comes out, we're all still going to be staying in homes and not being allowed to go out and play large games. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that I can play a 500 point game on my kitchen table and like have a mm. continued narrative that like sees the units grow and change and evolve and stuff is that's cool. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. I'm, I mean, I think it, it's comparisons have been made to obviously Path to Glory in AOS mm, and yeah. obviously Warcry as well with their sort of system for narrative progression. So, yeah, I, I'm. this is actually one of the things I'm most excited for because obviously yeah. they've mm. suggested as well that, you know, in the whether this is true or just a marketing thing, but obviously about grabbing a start collecting box to do a Crusade yeah. army. So that's sort of yeah. the limit of what you're thinking. So it's, again, it's in that sort of 500 you know, four to 500 yeah, point yeah. sort of bracket, isn't it really? Which actually ties in nicely with some of the things I've said about the scale of the, of normal, you know, non crusade, uh, 40k. Mm. Cause obviously they it's not all about 2000 points. Obviously they're going to, they're doing missions for a thousand points, you know, 500 mm. point patrols and things like that, which I think is really cool yeah. because again, not everyone can do a 2000 point yeah, game I, I, th- I think they've realized that a lot of their player base of 40k isn't playing at the at the top point like optimal level i think no. you know i think like mm. a lot of people play 500 and 1000 point games or a lot mm. would like to but yeah. they feel they can't because the game doesn't support it and like mm. the whole crusade system is like we've all read the tales of four gamer campaigns that they've run in white dwarf since the beginning of time and Mm. all thought this Mm. is awesome i'd love to do this so it makes sense for the game system to have basically Mm. that be built in where you you know you and your friends can buy start collecting boxes and build and paint them and play a campaign where as you go like units get experience and grudges are like established and like you know mm, things are mm. killed and people get experience and then there's a showdown at the end between all four of yeah. you and it's like yeah. having that yeah. be built in is is awesome mm. yeah and it also ties nicely in with this sort of concept now that the smaller games in in other things like necromunda Warcry, mm. where in a box you can you know a, a gang box a warband box you can get everything you know within reason you've got everything you need to, to play and that's again same like you just said with concept where you can go right i've got to start collecting box that's all i need for this game you know and then if you want to expand into bigger stuff then obviously you can and it, again it's that mm. tying it in where it's like a nice base level but if you like i said for a lot of people where the narrative theme is actually what they like doing because we see it all the time I and mean, we're talking about it in in the community spotlight people love you know converting kit bashing and things like that and you want to put some character behind your characters and and units mm-hmm. which i think sometimes when you get to your your 2000 points competitive level that sort of goes out the window but obviously some people do they'll still name their their characters because yeah. they they want a bit of fluff with it but that's sort of you know but they when because otherwise they get treated a bit like chess pieces in the end which i i personally mm. think is a bit of a shame uh, but yeah. again it's always totally different for you know everyone else um so yeah mm. i think this is a great thing and i hope i it's the one bit out of the whole mm. ninth edition that we've seen well sorry new 40k uh it's not called ninth <laughs> yet <laughs> um i think it's the it's the one thing i hope is not bad you know i hope it's as yeah. good as it sounds look at the way they look at the start box right if you look at what we think is coming in the collector's box mm. i think it's very telling that i think you can be confident that this is a feature they're really going to push because like Dark Imperium is a great box set, and like mm-hmm. I got yeah. two of them. It's an awesome box set, but mm. but the 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 stuff you get in it, it's really hard to play a game with those things in it. Like they are definitely mm. supposed to be starting off points for building big armies. Like there's only yeah. one real hero. There's a, there's like you know some weird unit sizes in there. But you look at you look at what's coming in this new edition. Both sides have multiple heroes, different units with mm. different sizes, and I, it looks like 
they want you to get this new box and be like, you have two complete factions in here with a bunch of leaders, a bunch of troop choices, some support units. You could just play a crusade game with your friend with this box and you would get a shit ton of gameplay out of it Mm -hmm. because the sides are designed for that because you've got lots of heroes and lots of options. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And tying into games of varying size points, almost forgot to mention this, but it's very important because it's one of the biggest shakeups. Command points are now no longer determined by army composition. They are determined by the size of the game you are playing, which is awesome. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, and on top of that, uh, if there is a reward now for playing mono faction, which is it costs command points to bring allies into your army. Uh, so if you're doing an Imperial or Chaos soup, you will now start with a few less command points because you've had to pay one to bring a knight in and then pay one to bring in, you know, a word bearers regiment as well as your standard black legion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love I this think change. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good change. Um, as opposed to, so you know, good. my Imperial knight army plus 32 guardsmen who are just going to stand in the back and watch what happens. Yeah, um, nothing breaks my immersion more than having a Blood Angel army that I have to bring 30 guardsmen along with me for moral support so that my commander yes. can be more of a commander. Like, yes. what the fuck? Because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what happens. Your Blood Angel's captain sort of is thinking to himself about the battle plan and then he just calls mm. over a random guardsman and say, yeah. what do you think about this? Do you, am do I you making think? the right decision let here? let down young Jerome. He's believing in me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 500 years old. I fought at every other. I fought at one end of the galaxy to the other. But I wonder what Sergeant Jim thinks about this plan. <laughs> Just puts his, puts his hand on his grieve because obviously he can't reach his shoulder. He's like, mm. "You've got this. Don't worry." Thanks, thanks, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I almost yeah. wanted. I almost wanted to model the Cadians having like signposts, like holding up yeah. signs, being like, "Woo, go Blood Angels!" Because yeah. like, that's all they're there to do. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's, um, it's such a welcome change. It really is. Absolutely. I think that's the because I I think that you know I I even though I I watch a lot more than I play is that I, I you know I one thing that I I find a bit frustrating is this obsession with CP. I know obviously it, mm. it's very important, competitive, but it sometimes it takes away from the fact that people have to have units and have to have detachments you know and this is where you get like troop taxes and and things like that yeah. where people have to take units just to just to get that cp to so they can do all their yeah, their uh, strategy you can't, you can't take what's fun you have to take what mm. gives you the most command points which yeah. is not usually fun it's no. like ugh. yeah I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if they do what they do in aos where they implement like a battle line troop uh, mm. you know, situation where you go right it's this many points you need to take at least two troops or it's 2000 points you've got to take at least three troops that i don't mind yeah. because i suppose it gives a little bit of uh it makes it a bit more believable because you know realistically troops are going to be in pretty much every battle so i i sort of get that with aos where they go right you know you've got to have at least two to three depending on the size of the game so mm. i wouldn't yeah. mind that whereas at the moment you play a 2000 point game people will want to ideally take double battalions, therefore they're going to have to take at least six units of troops. And sometimes they're just like, oh, let's just chuck a load of scouts in. You know, it's like, and it, yeah. no, it's not. You're just taking them because you have to, not because you want to. And that doesn't, mm. like you said, that doesn't mm. seem right. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I mean, if you if you had a mono force org chart to work with, 
it pretty much works the same way as as Age of Sigmar because you can't really afford mm. to max out any of the other categories anyway. No. So it kind of limits you based on mm. that by default. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah, because everyone was trying to cram more CP and they have to take more troops and it's like, troops should have their place and it's for yeah. holding objectives and, and generally yeah. being yeah. like a bit annoying. But it's like, you want to... I think Age of Sigmar has benefited greatly from uh, armies just being able to take like the minimum troops they need or want to hold objectives and then just taking mm. all the cool shit. And even mm. then you yeah. get captains and leaders who can change what your troops are, which then yeah. changes yeah. everything again. It's like... That that makes oh. so much more sense from a list building point of view than than oh, oh. I have to take fucking scouts or guards yeah, to yeah. my command points. <laughs> that that is a good idea. Imagine a white scars army where having a captain on bike meant all bike keyword units were troops. Mm. Well, yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense because yeah. like, it makes so no good. sense for the white scars to bring along guardsmen. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as we've seen in AOS, it, it's so much. But be- I personally think anyway, it's so much better that that mm. mono faction is encouraged. I like it. I mean, I'm not against soup in, in these games, but I just feel it's just so over the top sometimes. And yeah. I just like the fact that you get benefits from being a mono faction in AOS where mm. like, okay, you get allies and such like, but it's not, that's about it. Whereas I'm hoping mm. this is going to be the same situation where, like I said, it's going to cost you to have allies and things like well, that. Well, like, yeah, it's, it's the way it works. Like I love how it works in AOS because you, Depend on how granular you want to get, depends on how um, how many unit options you have, right? So if you want to play mm. Order Alliance, you can totally do that. But then you only get access to the Order Alliance uh, abilities and battalions and uh, artifacts, right? Yeah. But if you want to go <laughs> yeah. for a faction, well, then you sacrifice all those unit choices that you have and you narrow it down to just one faction, but then you get options for their battalions and their special abilities yep. and, and their mm. cool items. And it's like, it rewards you for focusing on what you want to play but you can still do the big i'm gonna play like all the order things or all the destruction things it just gives you a different set of things to play with then and i think i think that give that give and take makes the game really flexible and really interesting to list build in whereas i think 40k Mm. is a bit of a mess (laughs) yeah Yeah, and and, and also and also it doesn't it really explain why certain you know from again i'm talking more from a thematic point of view but it doesn't really explain why certain units are together you know when you have these soup armies you can sort of see it in chaos where they've got a bit of demons a bit of chaos space marines mm. and maybe some chaos knights you think yeah okay that's chaos they can be put together but when you've got like a, you know space like some blood angels and then they've got some i know some wolfen in there as well like where the you know i'm not saying people play with them. i'm just using that as an example no. but like where would these come from well they've they've had them in a back in the backyard somewhere and like yeah come on wolfen come on <laughs> fight with us. it's like they wouldn't be there whereas in a way they could have like a special character like i know ragnar blackmane happened to be on that planet and then, you know for whatever reason sort of teamed up that makes more sense but i don't know it just yeah. makes the the armies look a bit messy and again it's just to manipulate mm. You know, I mean, you know, we, we, you know we, we have to acknowledge the fact that this is only a problem for people playing competitive because like, I, I only really play narrative and casual games and I've only ever taken like I just take Blood Angels. I don't I don't try and min max my command points because I don't care. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to win a tournament. Right. So it's like this is this is only a problem in the tournament scene. But I think this this change while people are like, oh, it's the death of soup and stuff. I don't think it is. I just think it no. will it will change how people list build and make them. Like, yeah. focus on different yeah. things because they don't have to worry about getting command points, right? It's like mm. it's like a card game. It's like, you know, you have to... When you're building a magic deck, 
30% of the deck is already decided for you because you have to take land and that's mm-hmm. already yeah. decided. So your choices are now like the other 40 odd cards that you want to take. Whereas mm-hmm. they've just gone, don't worry about your command points. You get a bunch anyway. Just worry yeah. about what cool things you want to take in your army and what you think works well together. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's yeah. a way better place to be for the health of the game and the tournament scene. And also yeah. I think it would help bridge the gap as well from casual to competitive because there is people out there who obviously, like you said, play casually, are not f- fussed about the competitive, but would be tempted to. Like, personally speaking, I would like to, like, part of me would like to do, you know, at least go to an AOS tournament. You know, I've spoke about it with uh, the guys before, you know, like go to Warhammer World and do it. Whereas 40K, I, it, it just terrifies me. I just think, no, because people are going to, you know, bring these yeah. sort of silly souped up armies that i'm like no that you know what i mean it's almost too crunchy and too yeah because it doesn't meta. it doesn't feel like you're playing 40k because the lists like you look exactly. at it on a tabletop and you're like this doesn't make any sense no exactly mm. where whereas you know i was speaking you know eight is a while ago this is pre-lockdown but me and my mate martin were sort of like hey let's you know let's get do a doubles at Warhammer world you know aos and you know i'll bring some ogres mm. you bring some ogres and we'll just have some fun whereas again i i know you can have that with 40k it just doesn't come across that way. It feels almost too elitist at times in that side of things. Yeah. Maybe I'm just pre-judging yeah. it, but it just always comes across that that the sort of people, you know, sort of armies you could face could be a bit, I don't know, tricky in that sense. Whereas AOS, it yeah, just feels it's like, like yeah. if you don't if you yeah. don't min max, you're not like you're not really trying, and then it's mm. like you don't get taken seriously, and it's yeah, like, mm. exactly. You know, I mean, I'm in the exact same boat. I would love to go to a 40k tournament in the future, but. I will be damned if I'm painting 30 guardsmen to go into my Blood Angel army. (laughs) That is never happening, Mm. ever. So it's like, I just can't because my army is immediately going to not be competitive and be looked down upon. Mm. So it's like, this change opens that door, I think, and and bridges that gap. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope they will be uh, generous with command points. Part of me feels like the easy way to do it is for every full 100 points of the game, you get a command point. But then my brain goes, but that would mean a 2,000 point game, you have 20 command points. But then I go, but stratagems are awesome, and people don't actually use them a lot because they're hoarding their meager command points. So like, you know, you, you can start a game, <laughs> yeah, to do rerolls. But you can start a game and go, cool. At the start of the game, I've spent seven out of my twelve total command points for this game on, you know, getting extra relics and warlord traits and stuff. So I don't really have much left to work with. But instead, you know, if you started at two thousand points with twenty command points, I went, cool. I've spent my seven command points to, you know put these guys in deep strike get that relic get that warlord mm-hmm. trait you'd still have 13 command points to play around with yeah which exactly. is enough yeah. to actually make some make some good plays with some fun strategies as opposed to like you said i need to i need to save one re-roll for shooting and one re-roll for you know getting the charge off and stuff well yeah because <laughs> no, I, I like that sorry carry on mm. Oh, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say I like that idea. I think I think having a lot is is good, especially if you can spend them before the game, like you say, to mm. put units in deep strike and like to you know promote that guy to something else or whatever they've talked yeah. about promoting people. But um, I think if they do that, they probably have to put a limit on how many you can spend in a turn. So you yeah, can't maybe. you can't come out the gate swinging an alpha strike someone <laughs> in turn one with yeah. a million abilities. But I was, I was that would say, suck. I was going to say it's yeah, also true. thematic as well because it, 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 sometimes it doesn't make sense. Where okay, so you you know you started the game with I don't know thirteen you know command points because you got two battalions and the and obviously the the battle forge bit and then and then you upgrade people. Like I said you're right. Okay, I've got a chapter master. There's two CP taken off and then and like I said your, your CP is going is getting whittled down, but then. It doesn't make sense because you've upgraded all these people to cool stuff where they, they like they mm. should be even more 
strategic. Like, look, you've got a chapter mm. master with you, yet you've got less points to use. It doesn't seem yeah. like, whereas yeah. at least, like I said, if you start with something high, then people can have, can bring some fun stuff like, oh, chapter masters and, and such like, and then still have, like you said, a decent amount left rather than sort of being crippled with, you know, mm. with a lack of CP after they've been upgrading stuff. Cause it sort of doesn't make sense yeah. that they, what well, they, they can't be strategic as much anymore <laughs> just cause they've upgraded <laughs> stuff. It doesn't sort of make any sense. So, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that that's um, that's the general gist for um, what's going to be the new edition of 40K. But there's still even more 40K news um, up for pre-order right now, available next weekend, because things are happening again, guys. <laughs> um, Engine War and all of its associated Adeptus Mechanicus releases are coming. Um, I'm pretty excited for this, as... It's got the Chaos Knights rules in it, and the previewed rules seem uh, pretty fun, honestly. Uh, maybe not as wide and varied as I would hope, but there's so, still some uh, really cool things. You can build your own households. All the named households from the Codex have their own traits and everything. Um, you're, for Imperial Knights, you're getting the opposite, because uh, Chaos Knights had two overarching traits, either Infernal or Iconoclast, and now they're getting those plus specific household traits. Whereas Imperial Knights had specific household traits, but not overarching benefits for being Imperial or Adeptus Mechanicus. So now they're getting the Imperium and Adeptus Mechanicus traits, as well as, I believe, a make-your-own-knight household for them as well, off the top of my head. Um, Chaos Demons are getting ways to uh, buff up and make their own Greater Demons Exalted Greater Mm -hmm. Demons, which I think is really cool. Um, uh, I forget. All specs, tactics, uh, went over those early today. I was watching that. And it seems like there's a bunch of really fun stuff. Um, like that, that these are, these guys are going to be good and fun. Pretty cool. Uh, and all the admech stuff. <laughs> there's so much of it. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is, this is the admech book with other people in the background. Um, there's new units. There's the Archaeocopter things. There's the Cerberus Riders, both variations of that unit. There's the Taraxi, the winged, uh, Skitari, both variations of them. Um, and a whole bunch, a whole bunch of custom canticles, uh, for each of the Forge Worlds and things like that. Uh, so, uh, it, it looks exciting. That's all I can say. Yeah. Oh, and a new Star Collecting Box. Mm. The old Star Collecting Box is going away. We're getting a new one with Skitari, a Tech Priest Engine Seer, and the Scorpius Dune Rider. There we go. That's everything yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Looks yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, think, I think this, I think this wave of release really rounds out the, um, the Mechanicus line. I yeah. think it's a really good model range now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it's 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 odd actually with these get with it, it, having ninth edition sort of on the horizon and still getting these uh, psychic awakenings. Obviously, I know things have been mm. delayed because obviously because of the lockdown, but it also feels a bit weird like getting these still because mm. because obviously they still feel a bit eighth edition because obviously technically they are but obviously yeah. we're still all our heads are pointing towards ninth going right what yeah what more do we yeah. get out of this it's yeah i mean i know it's just the way it is but it just it seems quite amusing really sort of getting yeah. this while yeah. it's uh on the horizon but it's nice that you'll yeah. all integrate which is great mm. yeah yeah, yeah it's, that, not, it's not a bad thing like no. you know um the i mean i play ideneth in age of sigmar and they're still on a um pre 2.0 book mm. Uh, mm. They were like the last book before the new edition yeah. of Sigma dropped, and it's it's still a fantastic book. And like you know, um, because this eighth to ninth is a, a little leap, like um, Age of Sigma had. I think it'll 
I don't think I think it'll be fine. I think the the stuff mm. will still feel feel great for for a long while. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah, honestly, I feel like when it came out the space the new Space Marines Codex, everyone's going, "Why is this so crazy?" and all that. I'm feeling that's just because it was the first prototype for a ninth edition style codex, and eventually everyone's going to get updated to that. But um, we'll see soon, I guess. Um, because presumably a new Necron Codex will be coming relatively soon after the new edition and all that. Um, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, alongside of all of this, they're fleshing out the current 40k storyline as well. Uh, we are getting a series called Dawn of Fire, uh, which will be detailing the Indomitus Crusade and beyond, which I think is really interesting. Uh, and we're getting our very first book, I believe, by Guy Haley. Is that right? Yep. yep. Yes, Guy Haley. Uh, we yep. are getting... Yep. Yeah, we are getting Avenging Sun, uh, based around a member of the Ultramarines, of course, uh, and his, his role in the conflict to come. Um, we don't really know much else about that, but it's going to be an ongoing, really well planned out series, apparently, uh, detailing the current day storyline, what is currently happening in 40k, which again, they're keeping on pushing this narrative forward. Thank you, God. We, we were stagnant for 30 years. We can, we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> keep having new things happen just like a just like age of sigma honestly um i kind of feel like something uh must have happened um behind the scenes because like eighth edition and age of sigma mm. um they didn't really get much story novel support like they both had two books that mm. like detailed the main story whereas like the first age of sigma had the entire realm gate wars in like a numbered series that detailed the the events and everything and like I'm glad that they're doing this now for 40k because I was I love um, Dark Imperium and uh, whatever the second one was called that was also really good mm. Plague War. Plague War. But I was yeah. like I wanted more, and I was kind of mm. sad that they never they never mm. did more novels. So I'm glad that they're they're, they're saying this is going to be like a continuing series like War of the Beast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. I think what's encouraging as well is that it's like they've got a purpose with it as well in the sense that because obviously they've mentioned that they're going to plan them similar to how they do the Heresy and Siege of Terror that, you know, there'll be a, a collection of authors and like, right, what we're going to do next rather because at the moment mm. with the a lot of the 8th edition novels, they've been sort of very thrown out there. I mean, they've been fun, they've been absolutely fantastic, you know, like mm. Regent Shadow and and Watchers of the Throne, Hollow Mountain and and all the ones, but they don't they feel like there's no theme between them which i suppose is actually mm. quite apt considering with the great rift things are all over the place which sort of makes <laughs> sense in that yeah, in that true. way but yeah. th- at the same time it's nice for us where you've got like a per- you know a narrative that's actually pushing forward and it- it's almost like it's good because you know going into ninth now because obviously there will be novels you know random novels as i call them the ones that are just sort of isolated um sort of situations or stories but then you at the same time you've still got the main narrative still being pushed forward and then it all should hopefully nicely fit together (laughs) yeah hopefully we'll see um Mm -hmm. honestly if guy haley's writing the first book at least the first book will be good so yes yeah looking forward to this (laughs) although where what i want to know is where is my um Where's my uh, Siege of Baal sequel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where Please, is that damn God. book? Well, yeah, because yeah. we, we were sort of saying about this, because in theory, the special limited edition came out, 
I think October, November sort of time. Mm. And you generally find that within six months, the hardback and if there's a audio book will come out and then obviously eventually go into paperback. And it's, yeah, it's really gone quiet. I'm presuming the lockdown has obviously affected that as well, but it's, mm. you know, going across timelines, it should have been out around April, May time. So we may see yeah. it soon, hopefully. We'll see. Hopefully. Um, and, if you liked your Bandai Primaris Marine but thought it was a bit expensive for what you got, good news. <laughs> um, there are new 40K McFarlane toys coming up. So uh, probably, honestly, even more poseable, a lot more durable by all accounts. Um, we are getting the Primaris Sergeant, the Assault Intercessor Sergeant from the f- new 40K trailer. We are getting the Necron Warrior from the new 40K trailer. These both look great, honestly. Um, but most importantly, we are getting an unpainted intercessor <laughs> they they listened they understood we we want to paint our own guys um so after the uh the paint your own funko pop we now have the paint your own uh mcfarlane intercessor these guys look really great um apparently they're going to be in scale in that seven inch scale with all of the other mcfarlane toys so have fun everyone having your various crossovers um <laughs> all your franchises coming together um Honestly, these look really good. They will be a lot more competitively priced, I would say, than the Bandai ones. I think these are meant to be in the 20 to 30 US dollar range, mm-hmm. uh, in which case I will definitely be getting one because, yeah. Yep. These are cool. <laughs> yeah, those are cool. <laughs> uh, and that is the majority of the 40K news. There's no Age of Sigma news, so we're skipping over that. We're going to the other news. Um, there is now, in effect, uh, a price increase. It happens, everyone. Uh, we know. Mm-hmm. Um, between 300 and 400 items, I believe, are being bumped up and sort of rounded up to the nearest £5-ish mark, I believe, um, which apparently is about 10% of their total inventory, and I didn't realise Games Workshop sells 3,000 separate items. Um mm-hmm. Which is uh, pretty impressive. I feel like it's that's what they release a year at the moment. It is mostly older kits, uh, but older kits that still sell decently well. But there is a weird smattering of like newer stuff and like some really new stuff in certain cases. Um, it is what it is. We live in a luxury hobby, and um, we can't really fight Games Workshop and say how dare you put. Um, I don't even remember what any of the things being put up were. Didn't Necron yeah. Warriors Viadon. just get put up when they're about to be... <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. I did actually, because I think it's about, about, it's about 450 replaced. things. You can actually see them on mm. the on the website. Uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, most of it is... I mean, first thing I'll say is no one likes a price increase, of course. No yeah. one wants this. And, and, you know, let's be honest, no one's going to praise it. But at the same time, it is kits that... I'm not surprised about it's a lot of kits where there are funny prices. And when you make a comparison to another box in another faction, like you'll have a kit that's like, I don't know, say I think for example, the death watch kill team is in that Mm. uh, increase. And it's like at the moment it's 22 pounds 50. Whereas, you know, other five man Marine kits with lots of stuff are 25 to 30 pounds, depending on which Mm. kit you're talking about. So, you know, them raising it from like 2250 to 25, you think, you think, yeah, you're just keeping it in line with everything else, you know? So I, I yeah. sort of see, see why they've done the most of them. It's just adjusting them by a few pound here and there just to sort of put them all on a, you know, a fairly even scale, uh, scale I think. Mm. Well, like, yeah. like Cameron said, this is a luxury hobby. It's, you know, 
it's expensive anyway. It's not like yeah. the extra couple of dollars or pounds here or there is going to make any of us like throw our tools down and be like, nope, this is this is too much. This is over the line. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. That that's 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 business. And honestly, they hey. They were a really responsible company and shut down for basically two months straight while continuing to pay all of their employees. Uh, I know they would continue yep. to pay all their employees. I had a lovely chat with my local store manager, and he was very happy with how they treated him over this period. Um, not saying that they deserve a price increase for that, but honestly, I can understand them going, yeah, we did lose a lot of money over the last two months, uh, but we'll get, be getting more as we open up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's how it is. Who cares about that? Hey, do you remember that Necromunda video game that was dead <laughs> for the last three and a half years? And that because it had a single trailer and then nothing ever came out about it ever again for three and a half years. <laughs> uh, so that's coming out in like a couple of months um, on PC and console. Um, we have not really seen anything new of it apart from the announcement that, um, hey, they were working on it all this time. They were having it play tested and everything. Um, we still not seen anything from the current build or anything, but, um, if it's just Necromunda tabletop brought over to a virtual, uh, realm, I am going to be very happy is what I can say with that. Um, I was going to say, it's funny actually, because it was one of the first things we said about in our news on this very show. So when we started doing mm. a news section on Realm and Ruin, it was actually one of the first things we spoke about. I just always remember Mm. it being a a news topic. And then it's like, like you said, it's just gone dead for years. We've just not (laughs) mentioned it again. So it's actually really nice that, that it's not been abandoned because that was always my worry with this one that, Mm. that, you know, no news. You think, hang on, nothing's happening, which, you know, doesn't always mean anything because sometimes it's just, they're just working on it and they're keeping quiet. Whereas, so it's nice that it's not been abandoned. So that's really good news. Yes. Yeah. Um, it will apparently have three gangs at launch, have a single player campaign and have four player multiplayer. Um, and I believe is sitting at the 31 US dollars price mark currently, which again, nice. It's, um, I think they're just going to release that and then release other gangs as DLC, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, hopefully it's really good. Uh, even if it's just okay, I will probably get it and play it because I I love tabletop Necromunda. Uh, (laughs) If I can play it online as well, why not? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's an Aeronautica video game, which I've not heard anything about, so I don't know what this means. Um, um, I, 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 shamefully, I can't remember the name of it, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> but it's actually out now, because obviously this is, this ties oh. in at the moment with the Skulls for the Skull Throne 4, which is the, the current mm. sort of Warhammer video games, uh, Steam sale. Uh, that's it. Flight Command. That's the name of it. Oh, so, okay. uh, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's literally just come out as of, the last few days of this recording so and obviously cool. they're and obviously all the other warhammer games are all on sale on steam at the moment mm. for i'm guessing the you know next few days so yeah it's out now awesome yeah um and that's that's about the news my guys um yeah games workshops back open things are coming out again uh hopefully in the next few weeks we'll see solid announcements on when we can get our hands on glorious primaris versus necron boxes because mm, Boy. Um. <laughs> I'm hoping it'll come out early July, just in time for my birthday, so I can mm. yes, yes, yes. use that as the excuse. <laughs> that seems like a pretty reasonable timeline, honestly. You know, get, get the last few Psychic Awakening books out, maybe get the Lumineth Realm Lords out, and then we're off to 40k land for the rest of the year. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that, that has been the news. We got there. It took about an hour. Um, yeah, 
<laughs> I think that was always going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> drop something. Well, like that's that. pretty good considering all the things to talk about. I know that's true. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's been the news section. So I think it's time to take what will be our last break. So grab your torches, grab your teddy. We're going to talk about some Warhammer horror soon. Back soon. Right, we're back. Time for the main law topic. And mm. as chosen by our guest, Stephen, we are covering the Warhammer horror novel. So our first one for this show, Dark mm. Harvest by Mr. Josh Reynolds, personal favourite of ours. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, actually, has he stopped doing Black Library novels? Have I read that yes. somewhere? Yes, so yes. I dug into this. He has stopped. Um, oh. yeah, Man Flayer was his last one. So but he's working was, on his own books now. Yeah, it was an amicable thing. He just he said something like he had so much in his schedule that something had to give, and he just decided that he'd finished a natural point with his Black Library work, so it made sense hmm. to part ways where he was with them. And yeah. they, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's well, fair enough. Sad, though, because he's an amazing hmm. writer. Hmm. And... Yeah, someone better pick up Ghost Eater, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Someone better pick up that Black Pyramid sequel. <laughs> yeah, like I literally, I think the day I found out about that, I just ordered online Black Pyramid, Plague Garden, and the <laughs> the, the one he wrote about the is it a witch hunter or something. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he's mm. oh um, well. There's the there's the Callus and Toll one, isn't there? That's um, I've got that audio book. It's the it's yeah. the other one. Is it Seven Spears or something? I don't know what it's called. Oh, Spear of Shadows. Yeah, Spear of Shadows. Yeah. yeah. The, the one that's one that you got me for my birthday, Cameron. <laughs> one I need to read. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's it's a real shame actually because, like we said, he's he's one of the best writers. I think uh, everything he does, he you know, he, his world building is is fantastic, especially. Yeah. But mm. um, but yeah, I suppose to be fair, with a lot, we always got to remember with a lot of these Black Library authors, they're often dipping in lots of things. They're not, you know, they're working mm. either their own stuff yeah. or for other companies. Mm. You know, they're all oh, mostly yeah, yeah. freelance, so it, it, mm. it makes sense. And it's good that it's, it's obviously if it was done on an amicable way, because obviously if he did want to come back, then yes, please, yeah. <laughs> because yeah, you, ne- you know you never know how things go in the future. So yeah, oh, yeah, and I think the I think the Games Workshop community always like treated him really well and liked his mm. work. I don't think anyone ever mm. like. There was never anything bad said about any of his books. I think he's unanimously uh, loved for his work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, honestly, I want to see if he writes his own book next because um, I might have mentioned this a couple of episodes ago. Um, I got a book. I got a book written by Matthew Ward for my birthday this year. <laughs> um, oh. of of some some infamy infamy in the games workshop community. Uh, it's really good. It was a great first big uh, fantasy debut novel. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't have the, the Matthew writer. Ward at the start of it. <laughs> well, because I was reading it, it just says Matthew Ward on the bottom of big letters. I kept looking, it's like that sounds familiar. Sounds... And then I flipped to the uh, the attribution at the end. I was like, oh, you know, he did. He, he it's that Matt Ward. Um. Mm. <laughs> the the infamous, but yeah, no good, no good on him. Because I mean, I, I was out the hobby at that time, but he got a lot of hate. And so, oh, yeah. it's fair play to you as well. I might add because mm. uh, you know, looking back and seeing where the game's gone now, I think one of the best things they ever did was revamp the Necrons to have mm. character and personality. Because I don't think we'd have got to this point if that hadn't have happened. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I think he got yeah. a lot of shit for that. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, and especially his Ultramarine stuff. I think it was some of his Grey Knight stuff as well. I think it was the, they were the main ones that he, he got a lot of flack for. But yeah, no good on him. And yeah. it's you know it just shows that they they can go on to you know other things despite the uh, the criticism they get. So no, and but you know going back to Josh Reynolds, it's a it's a real yeah. shame. But I yeah. you know I I get that he's a busy guy because. I know that firsthand because oh, yeah. trying to get him on the show because he was actually going to join us on this show at some point, but uh, he's been just been too busy so to get busy. on it. Yeah, and that's who you, know. you get when you're all a six. You get me. Yeah, and you're oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got, Stephen. I got six earlier. Honest. Um, so, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah uh, no, we, I get we got that. a book to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Solid book. <laughs> Look at that roll. Damn it, the wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but no, what we'll do now is we'll just make sure we cover every single one of his books now, <laughs> just to oh, make yeah, up for absolutely. it. <laughs> well, we sort of have actually. We've covered quite a few of his. Anyway, Dark Harvest. So, like I said, this is the the first Warhammer horror novel that um, that we've spoken about on the show in a in a mm. main law topic. So, looking forward to this one. Um, Cameron, have you got the book in front of you to read the back yes, of it? Yes, I do. Ooh, Go for it, mate. Lovely, yes. <clears throat> Harren Blackwood was a warrior priest of ruthless virtue. Now he's a man with a scorched reputation, prowling the black back alleys of Greywater Fastness, content to fight the petty wars of racketeers for survival. But when a desperate message arrives from an old friend, Blackwood is forced to confront a past he thought long buried. Summoned to the isolated village of Wald, Blackwood sets off on a perilous trek to ensure the sins of his former life remain forgotten. He soon discovers that Wald is a hostile, secretive place with sins of its own. Deep in the murky marshes, where the cruel chants of village folk echo and the stink of death hovers low, Blackwood must channel his bitterness and rage to defy the ancient darkness that now hunts him before he is devoured, body and soul. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Scary. It's very creepy. <laughs> Honestly, um, hey, hey, putting this out here, this is basically, um, this is basically Shadow over Innsmouth if it was mm. Age of Sigma, and I'm having, a f I had a great time with this book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I must. Um, I was gonna say, I must admit in my notes, I've got like the fish in Hamlet, a Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like Van Helsing? Question mark. Yeah, That's yeah, fair, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think the first thing I want to say about this is that um, this these these horror books are not as horrory as I was quite expecting them to be. Mm. Like I, I bought a few of them when they first started, and then I got this one because it was one of the few books you guys hadn't reviewed yet that was AOS that I also hadn't read. Um, mm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I wonder if I, I hope people haven't been shying away from the horror range because they're not that much scarier or even scarier compared to normal AOS books. They're just way more, um, they're just stories that focus more on, um, characters within the world rather than the war stuff. Yeah. I think is like yeah. a big difference to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, um, it's going to that granular level of Age of Sigma where on, on the, on the big God's eye level, Age of Sigma doesn't seem as bad as 40k, but then when you zoom in real close and go, what's the day-to-day -day like in certain areas? You go, oh, no, no, it's pretty rough. 
Still, oh, yeah. it's still bad there. <laughs> yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is definitely a dark side of the the mortal realms. That's for sure. Like, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> well, this is like this is like my favorite kind of novel where it's like it's not very mm. thick. It's a pretty small book, but goddamn, is this book deep? Like this book has yeah. layers and layers to it that just keep going. There's so mm-hmm. much in this book. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, it, it, the, these horror ones are, are quite odd to look at actually because, like you said, they it. it as people would, you know, I suppose some people expected is that, you know, for whether it's the 40K or the AOS ones, obviously both universes are grim in their own way. They've all mm. got their own horror there anyway, let alone before you put the, the horror tag on them. So it's it must have been quite challenging for the authors to sort of try to sort of navigate it that way because when you've got, like I said, a, a subject content that is quite dark anyway to sort of make it creepy it, yeah. to, especially to a fan base who's used to this sort of stuff it you know mm. it's, it's it's it it takes a lot to do that it's not an easy thing to do and again it's similar to oh, the yeah. the um the sort of the kids books that they've you know that they did for for warhammer in general again it's a totally different mindset so again uh, they were very good and um mm. quite rightly praised and yeah, yeah i think it's the same with this one it's trying to make it horror without sort of deviating too much um and i think he's got you know in this one particularly he's got the balance very well and you're right Stephen. Oh, yeah. it is a very for you know a relatively average size novel it's it's it is very deep and i think he's it's paid off really well and it, like and like you said it's almost like it, it's a, a microcosm of uh, age of sigma like i said which i mm. like like you i'm a massive fan of that it's, i found that in callus and toll as well i think that was the first sort of aos novel i read that wasn't like the realm gate wars which are you know big battles and and mm. you know as you would expect and i think they need to do more of these <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and, the, and the, yeah, i think the choice of antagonist as well is really interesting mm. in this book like mm. i did not expect the antagonistic forces and i guess we'll talk about spoilers at some point but yeah. it oh, surprised yeah. me who this book revolved around and what it revolved mm. around and that was really mm. fresh because I think what I like about Age of Sigmar compared to 40k, I mean, I, I like them both, but the, I think the difference is that in Age of Sigmar, everyone knows and accepts that the gods exist and mm-hmm. that they're kind of insane and that they yes. deal with things that mortals <laughs> can't comprehend and to pretend to mm. think you can will drive you insane. And it's yeah. just accepted. Yeah. And everyone just goes about their daily lives knowing like at any point two gods could just roll in here and wage a war <laughs> and annihilate everything yeah. that we know and yeah. that's just part of life. Whereas in 40k, it's all about pretending those things don't exist. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have one big thing to say about this book, which is this. Um, Sylvaneth should not be in order. I'm putting that out there right now. <laughs> this book is living proof that Sylvaneth are a destruction force. <laughs> So um, we had this we had this conversation on the Discord. So where mm. would they go? <laughs> they would absolutely be destruction. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like um, orcs. Orcs want to destroy anything in their way. Ogres destroy everything around them to feed themselves. Sylvaneth specifically seem to destroy uh, artificial civilization. Is the way I would put mm. it. I guess like the way this book talks about how much the forest hates hates mm. every single human building that has ever existed. Like. The bit where the Sylvaneth starts mm-hmm. singing and people and the humans are listening and going, they're singing about how they hate us so much it hurts them that they hate us. Yeah. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> 
they don't want to hate us, but they do to the point where they are literally falling apart with anger and agony. And that's how much they hate you. If you step off the road, you are dead. And like, yeah, God. they're terrifying in this book. Like they are, oh, legit. Yeah. like the way they're described, like there's one scene where one, I can't remember what's happening, but. I think one gets in a cage with some prisoners and it, it just describes yeah. the mess that's made when a Sylvaneth mm. gets into people who aren't defending themselves. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, the way they appear, like they, you know, the little knots in wood, a mm. full grown, a full grown dryad crawls fully formed out of one of those and just appears. And it's like, yeah, it's all to do with the description. Like they're jagged and they're splintered and fibrous and their mm. faces have eyes and mouths that are just gashes of darkness in the wood, and it's like, oh, God. They are so... Yeah. so and they, and they like, I was going to say, they like to focus on the teeth as well. That mm. crops up quite a few times, these sort of evil, you know, wooden smiles of just mm. bark and things like that, which, yeah, you sort of... Um, you would imagine this, and, and, and it's actually quite a common theme we see with the Sylvaneth in some of the other novels that they appear, you know, because they, they, they are quite a common one that, that pops up. I mean, we, again, we saw it a mm. bit in... Um, uh, the oh, the Silver Nest uh, Nash one, uh, yeah, Garden of Mortal Delights. Delights. Yeah, that one <laughs> again. Same sort of principle where there's there's hatred. It's like, and it, that's why they're actually quite interesting compared to like if you hypothetically put them in destruction, they're they're, they're interesting mm. because at least with the most of the other destruction factions, they're sort of I don't know, just they they're being what they are. Like it is in mm. an ogre, an orc is is you know they're just that's just their nature. Where's the yeah, Sylvaneth? It's almost like it. it's yeah mm. they, yeah, and it's just they they are what they are. Whereas I know that you could say the same about the Sylvaneth, but they're different. I think it, it well, that's, feels that's like why, that's why I think that Ideneth and Sylvaneth belong in order. They're just the darker side of order because mm. order isn't. Yeah, I think people fair. like think about order as like the good guys in quotation marks, mm. but they're yeah. really not. It's just order just represents. Um, like civilization civilization it's just groups that yeah. want to like have their own structure and society whatever mm. that structure of society mm. you know like i don't know if their entire culture is based about stealing souls that's not good <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> not good on anyway like <laughs> yeah you don't forget the uh, blood sacrifices for the daughters of cain as well <laughs> yeah yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> basically all the elves basically all yeah, the, elf all the elf scumbags <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair i mean i i get where that is but reading this uh, like you said, Matt, like, Oryx and Ogors and Grots, they're doing what they do. You know, they're doing it because they enjoy and everything. But, like, I feel like an ogre could be happy sitting down at a campfire, eating food, regardless mm. of what was in the world around it. This book makes me feel that no Sylvaneth is ever going to be truly happy until, like, human civilization that impinges upon nature ceases to exist. Yeah, like, it's like a, per like a permanent insane. chip on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, like, I can imagine these dryads going around their valleys and their vales and, you know, dealing with their soul pods and everything, and in the back of their minds, they're always, they're always going, that fort's still there, I hate that fort, that fort is bastardous and ruinous to the world around it, these humans with their stench and their guns and their tools, <laughs> like... That's kind uh, of a common uh, trend, though, in, like, fantasies mm. that the tree kin, like, they're always really just driven by hate of civilization, and the thing mm. that tempers them is, like, the more, like, rational beings around them. So I imagine, yeah. like, Alariol and, like, the tree kin, like, their mm. part of their thing is keeping the, the branch wraiths and the, the dryads from literally just being angry at everything <laughs> all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. um, there's, there's a line that, um, that a lot of the dryads in this book are young and all they know is malice or something like that. Yeah. Like, they yeah, haven't had time the, uh... to grow and become wise like the older dryads do and stuff. Like, okay, geez, they're born angry. <laughs> well, there's also the influence of the main antagonist, which I guess we can talk mm. about. Yeah, go for mm. it. Yeah, yeah. There's, so yeah like... spoil- there's always going to be spoilers with this. So, anyone listening, oh, yeah. if you've not read the book, <laughs> yeah. be prepared. Go also, read, on look, a side note, what are you doing? Like, yeah. These are the sections I skip in your podcast the most because you cover books I haven't read, and I'm like, well, yeah. I can't yeah. listen to this. Oh, I'll <laughs> come back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so the main the main antagonistic force is um, Kurnoth, like mm-hmm. the actual. I guess he's a god. He's like a god yeah. level yeah. being. Yeah, but he yeah, is. Yeah. It describes how Alariel basically flayed him alive mm-hmm. and then and then buried him beneath this swamp where the yeah. where Walders build this town and mm. his influence over the centuries has slowly corrupted the forest and swayed the creatures to because really their hatred yeah. comes from him because yeah. he's this primal yeah, entity that that wants to hunt and he isn't allowed to mm. hunt and yeah. he's trying yeah. to break free and he he's like you know, he slowly corrupted like the people of the town to basically be like his mm. cultists almost. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like he's the and he, the way he's described is amazing. Like, God damn, oh, I hope yeah. they make a model of him at some point because he sounds <laughs> yes. fucking horrific. He, he is an eldritch god, and um, I think what is actually really interesting is how this fits into what we know about Kernoth and Elariel in Age of Sigma so far already, because we know Elariel mm-hmm. was around, and then Kernoth in, like, the more human gaudy form, just showed up as her consort one day yep. and was eventually killed in a war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and you know, his artifacts are still around, but he's dead. But what this tells us is, no, Kurnoth was an atavistic, like, primal force of nature that Alariel found, as you said, flayed open, pulled out the bit she actually liked and wanted to keep around, and then buried the majority of it. And that bit she pulled out was what became her consort, Kurnoth. Mm. And that's yep. the bit that went off and eventually died. Whereas under this swamp, as you said, for centuries and centuries and centuries, this slumbering most of a god is just sitting around. Like she plucked out a bit and said, no, this is, this is the god. And it's like, forget about that other bit. Don't, don't remember the old stag. Don't, don't remember <laughs> Red Kern, which I like as a title for, mm. um, Kern mm. off. Yeah. Oh, and and, it, and it sort of makes sense that it's just, like I said, <laughs> manifesting. It's just, you know, like it's had centuries, you know, untold amount of years to be mm. just stewing, you know, this, like it's, it's, it's almost like pure malice, this sort of, mm. this part of the, of, of Kurnoth and the fact that, you know, it, the fact it's been flayed and, and just shut, you know, buried, literally buried under mm. the swamp. And, and obviously like the main part of, of Kurnoth, especially this part of Kurnoth is the hunt. And obviously, mm. you know, if you're buried and, you know, and don't have the power at this point, you can't hunt. So you obviously, you've got to sort of try and, you know, like you said, corrupt, you know, the yeah. people nearby yeah. to, and it, it's great that it's also the fact it's affecting humans and Sylvaneth. Cause it's not just mm. the, the human, you know, the humans, like you said, are, you know, some of them anyway are becoming cultists and obviously are starting to revere him. But then you got like almost a Sylvaneth civil war going on. Cause I think it mentions yeah. a schism between the, uh, you know, between the different groves and it's starting to turn mm. that, you know, there's obviously you get, you know, Elarial supporters, you now got, you know, new Kurnoth supporters and you, and you sort of almost mm. see, I don't know if it explicitly says it, but you could almost see like the older Sylvanetha ones that would be with, you know, the, with the ever queen. And then you would see, mm. 
the newer ones, like I said, the the, the sort of fresher Sylvaneth, sort of, you know, the more corrupt ones sort of side in with Kernoth. And then, like I said, you've yeah. just got this sort of big battle royale between all these different <laughs> groves and humans. And obviously mm. Blackwood's in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I hope this is something they expand on, because um, something I always liked about, I'm going to go off on a slight tangent here, something I always liked about Nagash's story in Age of Sigma is that he is the god of death. Mm-hmm. But in the realm of death, he had to go around and kill hundreds of these lesser gods of death that existed. Now, part of yep. that is because, you know, Shai shapes new underworlds depending on what people believe their afterlife is and everything, and, you know, new gods pop into existence. But what if also just every realm has this series of lesser gods lying around that we don't know about because, you know, Sigmar's going, I'm the god of the heavens. Alara's going, I'm the god of life. When in reality, you know, there's all these all these deities like Kernoth just hanging around, you know, literally <laughs> killed and buried by these bigger gods, just waiting for their moment in the sun, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think that's totally a thing that they're at least, like, not focusing on but like seeding mm. around like you know mm. they've always yeah. they've also said like the gods that they take the forms that they need to like alariel mm. that's not what she looks like that's her aspect no. of war that mm-hmm. she needs mm. to take for what's happening so it's like the fact that you know and they've like, they've spoken a bit about malarian and how he doesn't really have mm. a form he's kind of incorporeal and he can take whatever form he wants to so it's like yeah. the gods clearly have these powers to shape what they look like so who's to say the Kernoff that's described in this book, that might not necessarily mm. be the Kernoff that we end up eventually seeing on the tabletop because he could take yeah. a different form because he's now out and he's got power and whatever. Mm. Yeah. Although I, I, mean, it is I, I, because... I was going to say, it also mentions in the book that about his different forms, because I think there's a scene with Blackwood and Lord Wald where he notices like different little statues and such yeah, like that. I think yeah. it mentions about three or four different forms of Kernoff. Yeah, you got like Kernoff the Hunter, Kernoff the something else i can't killer. remember i'm off to there's, yeah, there's something like that. the killer who is in armored with a spear there's colonel the seducer which I, mm-hmm. I like who is just wrapped in ivy and wearing a crown and nothing else and then there is also colonel as the old stag and all that stuff yeah yeah like all these different forms but yeah i mean oh, and what's, what, what's quite cool <laughs> is actually the the old stag which obviously is the you know arguably the main antagonist throughout this uh, whole novel is actually just a shard it's just a shard mm. of a god. It's not actually Kernoth himself. It's it's yeah. just a part of him, and it's the it's you know mm. one of many. But it's almost like the it's you know old stag is the like I said the older really you know evil nasty part of him. <laughs> you know, and obviously, yeah, you know the other manifest can be as well. So mm. I think that's really cool. Mm. But like like it says, definitely Steve, sounded if they ever like did a model for him. Boss. It'd be amazing. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be horrific. It'd be terrifying. I don't even know. <laughs> Like, it would be cool, though, to see, you know, because we've had the Kernoff Hunters for um, mm. Shadespire. It would be really cool if they're building towards a, like, an expansion of Sylvaneth, which is the hunter side of things with all mm. the, like, yeah. the, like yeah. you know, the satyr people and the mm. and this big scary stag monster. And yeah. That could, be, that could be really cool. Well, they, they, they've sort of... Um, I was just, I was, sorry, I was going to say that they, they sort of yeah. did it with the, the Bone Reapers, where obviously you got the Bone Reapers, mm. but then you got like the Morgasts from the Legion of Gash that sort of, you know, could be in both. And it's almost like you could see that where like yeah, they do yeah. this new Kernoth one and like Kernoth Hunters, even though they're Sylvaneth, they can mm. also, you know, align with this <clears> new, you know, sub faction as well. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see, um, in this book, there are something called the Hounds of Kernoth, 
which are just <laughs> dryads who have given up being anything like a human and are running around on all fours, like twisted into vaguely dog shapes. Yep. Um, which are awesome. Um, I would love to see <laughs> yeah, that as like they a sound, cavalry. They sound unit. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And they, yeah, don't they, I think absolutely. there's one scene where they like walk sideways and things like that, which mm, I think anything yeah. that walks sideways is creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you see it, any horror film, anything that walks sideways looks, it doesn't mm. look right. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. thought of when I was reading this? I was like, have you guys seen Annihilation, the, the movie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the Netflix like, one. Yeah. I was like, that zombie bear thing. Uh, that, oh, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. that thing would, would fit perfectly into this army. Just this yeah. crazy oh, bear that screams like a person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Actually, when I was, when I was rereading this earlier, the thing that popped in my head is this, this book, it, it is Shadow Over Innsmouth, but what it really is, it is The Ritual. Uh, have either of you seen that? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Is, no, yeah. I haven't. No. That's a great oh. film. Matt, you should watch it. It's a great horror film. It's basically this, but um, a hiker getting lost in Norway's forests. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, like cool. down Check down to like the tragic past flashbacks and the god using that to like manipulate people into trying to join <laughs> his side and stuff. It's it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's a great tangent to talk about Blackwood. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk about this main protagonist of ours because it's not his real name, but we don't no. know what his real name is because it's never mentioned. Like even the no. people who know it don't use it. Uh yeah. Um so, uh the the book sort of beats around the bush with this, but um we'll put this simply, he was a warrior priest. He found out that um the arch lector of Hammerhall Aksha and several other high ranking free guild officers and high ranking priests were rounding up humans and burning them alive to try and make more Stormcast Eternals. So yeah. he stopped that shit. <laughs> and yeah, that's it, his yeah. backstory. <laughs> I, I, I found that that was not, I don't say vague, but I, you had to almost piece that part together because obviously he's having these flashbacks through, mainly through dreams, well, nightmares, uh, throughout mm. the, the, the novel. And I think it's, one of those where I had to read it that back a few times to sort of link it all together. Cause obviously it's clear mm. that he kills an art, an arch lector. And then obviously it mentions about these fanatical, you know, uh, Singerites and then, yeah. And then obviously he gets tortured by a, I think a Lord Veritant and obviously cast mm. down by Sigma. Cause I presume he rebels against this. He sort of sees this and goes, I not, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. This is the thing that I think super interesting about him is that he he actually kills a Stormcast. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like, he does. Although and, that and was after way... that. Yeah, it was <laughs> that, after. That yeah. was yeah. that was after. Yeah, I think I think it's the I think it's the Veritant who interrogates him. Yes, it is. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, and he, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, and the way and the people, the person he's going to help in Wald is one of the people who was there, who he rounded up mm. to help do this, mm. because he basically. Yeah saw what the Sigmarites were doing, realized mm. that people who follow Sigmar like that are evil, and therefore he doesn't want to follow Sigmar anymore, and so kills a Stormcast. Um, but the way they describe the Stormcast and, and how they have to kill it mm. and how hard mm. it is to kill, I was like, it's the first time I'd, I've read about Stormcast, and I was like, oh yeah, these things are like really, really hardcore yeah, because mm. they're yeah. like huge, like they have and they're like super. Grom roll tip spears. 
Yeah, like it took like like mm. a group like ten armed men to like yeah. pin it down and kill it, and it's I, like, and then when it died, it just shoots off in lightning, and it's like this harrowing mm. experience. I I actually felt that was one of the most horrific parts of the novel, and I don't mm. and I've, consider it's obviously a horror novel. I didn't expect just a few because obviously it's just a few lines in the in the novel where, like you said, where like I said, they 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 took this stormcast diamond nets didn't they and i said like you said about 10 of them just sort of rush him and just start stabbing away at him and obviously puts up a fight and obviously eventually take him down that's really like it was really sad and really horrific Mm. you know because obviously you see like what of of what the stormcast do and what they represent that's a really sad way for this stormcast to have died i know obviously Mm. in reality they will hopefully come back as part of the the reforging process but it just yeah it just felt really nasty that's a nasty Mm. way and obviously you could tell he you know he's had he had to do it because he did i think it it was like i said it was post um being a warrior priest i think it's when he's working for the guy he currently works for that was one yeah. of the tasks that the his his new boss mm. obviously you know yeah. got him involved in and and like like you say Stephen, like the way he sort of like he describes a stormcast sort of like oh, uh, like he didn't like the smell and the and the storm mm. in their eyes you know it's this really yeah. like, you know, yeah. really sort of putting across that <laughs> these guys are not human, no matter mm. what you think. And obviously we've seen it in, like, when we covered Black Pyramid, when we're talking about Gardas and all the rest of them, where they're sort of, you know, hanging around with, you know, Free Guild and, you know, the kids putting flowers in their in their hair and such like. But no, don't get don't get mm. things wrong. They are definitely yeah. not human in, in the traditional sense. Oh, yeah, sense. yeah. Like, the description of them, like, they are so beautiful that they are ugly, even mm. without scars, because they are too symmetrical they're too perfect they've clearly been made like yeah. they they don't they don't sweat sweat they sweat rainwater you can <laughs> hear the storm in their blood which is like their pulse like the the idea is a full lightning storm just contained vaguely in a human shape is so interesting like i imagine smelling them like just after rain that um i forget the name of the particular uh smell but the the smell <laughs> of wet earth and like thunder is is yeah you're right it's super creepy honestly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah, it, was, it was such a really cool little little sequence in the book that i thought mm. was really really yeah. powerful and it's like you can tell that like i love the whole notion of showing the darker side of order as well and the fact mm. that he the fact that he completely abandons his faith yeah, and, yeah. like his well, belief in what sigmar is doing is good mm. and stuff and was like and like the fact that they they were all clearly psychologically traumatized from killing this stormcast like it was mm-hmm. clearly this really mm-hmm. harrowing you know it'd be like people it was like basically they killed hercules they basically yeah. ambushed hercules <laughs> and knifed him to death yeah and, and that's yeah. The, that's the way it's the shitty way they killed him as well it's not like they, yeah. you took him one-on-one in a fight you just sort of blindsided him took him down with a net and just stabbed away at him for a, a big yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah. and um I, I i like also like he lost his faith he stopped being a priest but the main reason he did it, as far as I can tell from these limited flashbacks, is when he's being questioned about killing the Archlight and everything, he's being questioned by Lord Veriton, and he can see through the eyes, like, he feels Sigma looking through him, and he realizes that Sigma is disappointed he stopped them from burning all those people alive. Like, yeah. he did, quote-unquote, the right thing, but God says, you did the wrong thing. Those people should have been burned alive because I could have made more strong cars, etc., etc. Yeah, <laughs> like <"Ugh." laughs> I think yeah. also or, it's, it's, or a, it's, it's not a, good. <laughs> no, it's, it's early, isn't it? I think it, it, I, we we see again, like we I know when we talk about the stormcast in these books, we're seeing more and more layers of the way they are, and 
I think when again when it comes to Sigma, I know we I think we've said this before, but he you know he's not a good god, not really. He's no. got you know his intentions are arguably good, depending on the way you look at it. But obviously to to deal with chaos, but you know mm. it's. And obviously he's trying to, you know, the argument is he's doing it for the greater good. But like I said, the way his methods are not good, <laughs> you know, to, mm. to, to get <laughs> things done. I know, obviously, you could argue in war, sometimes you've got to get these things done to, you know, to ultimately win. But I don't know. <laughs> it depends which way you look at it, really. That's the yeah. thing about gods, isn't it? They do things in such a, with such rhyme and reason that it's kind of impossible to fathom if you're a normal mm. person, like they, their their logic yeah. and their reasoning is just completely beyond mortal mm. sense. Like you know, like the whole, like I mean, I was reading the Cities of Sigmar book, and it's like one of the things it highlights is like a major event is once he closes the gates of Azir, he then goes on this massive purge where he mm. just kills yeah. everyone who might be t- chaos tainted or have mm. the possibility yeah. of tainting. So mm. he like takes in all these refugees, locks them in his house, and then goes right. Now we're going to play the purge, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. in case. So it's like you know, people thought they were fleeing to safety, and they they fled mm. right into the arms of a genocidal maniac. Yeah, yeah, and then he kept those doors locked for hundreds of years and watched everyone outside suffer until he went, "Ah, it's probably enough." I figured yeah. I vaguely figured out my super soldier program, so I guess I'll be the hero now. <laughs> yeah, he said to said to Teclis and Malarian, "Hey, can you weave that cool spell so that no one can see Azir?" And they were like, "Yeah, sure." And then I was like, "Great, thanks, bye." <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you can see sort of similarities to the Emperor in 40k. So again, he's not mm. you know if you put him on god level or whatever you want to class him as, whether it's Emperor or God Emperor. It's the same sort of process where, you know, he's okay, you know, he's doing what, you know, he in his eyes for the greater good for, for the humanity. But at the end of the day, he's creating super soldiers by, you know, stealing children, uh, you know, putting all these organs in them and then trying to purge the galaxy of all Xenos races as obviously as well as chaos. It's like, well, mm. you know, on some level, that's not good. <laughs> not really. <laughs> and, you know, I always see Sigmar in the, in a very similar light and I'm presuming that's mm. quite deliberate as well. Yeah. There's a really good um, short story in the first Inferno book, I believe, which is about, um, it's on a realm and it's like, it's about like a city, a civilization that's existed for thousands of years. And it's about, it takes place during the the fall of like the realms when chaos come en masse and when Sigmar closes the door and it like... It's the story of, like, the honor guard of the queen of that realm and how they, like, fight and try and flee and basically they chaos pursue them and they're, like, you know, they basically stop them. It's like, why are you running? Like, Mm. you can join us. Like, you don't have to be annihilated. You can just join us. Like, Sigmar's abandoned you to, like, to whatever fate happens to you. You can build a new life and stuff. Just, like, join us. And and the, like, the the honor guard and, like, the leaders who are left, they, they kind of they get it like they're like yeah you're right we can just survive and carry on and do our own thing but then when they go back to their people they their people feel abandoned so they cut their people down but it's like it's showing what happens to people when when the gods like abandon them and the choices they have to make to survive and how it's like yeah you know there is no real good and bad side in any of these conflicts it's like chaos just present a completely different perspective and it's like yeah you can do whatever you want in your own thing like Yeah. yeah it's fine yeah, I mean, we saw that when we covered um, the the oh, the book about uh, is it Scourge of Fate? 
the uh, the and oh. Warcry to a degree. But I was yeah. thinking Scourge of Fate with the the Varangard and, and the city. You know, ah, you've, yeah. other, you've got normal chaos followers that you know they go to the market, they buy their food, mm. they go to yeah. sleep. You know, they're not it's not all burn, <laughs> burn and, and kill everything. Mm. It's you know there is Absolutely. normal sides to chaos as yeah. well as like you said, there's evil sides to order, mm. and that's where this yeah. you know. This big grey spectrum <laughs> appears. Yeah, my favourite joke will always be the um the corn farmer who worships corn in uh, the Warcry book. <laughs> does he worship corn or does he worship corn? He worships corn. He loves his wife because she, uh, he saw her kill a man with a knife in like three seconds. It's like, I've never seen someone so beautiful. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> wow, that's a weird, that's a weird king. <laughs> yeah, she's a keeper. She can get the whole skull. No problems. <laughs> I hope he was a corn farmer who worshipped corn. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want him to be. He loves he grows especially. Yeah, he loves he loves anything that's corn. Doesn't matter yeah, what yeah. kind of corn. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's why um that's why Blackwood is a really interesting uh like central protagonist because he mm. kind of is mm. like he has just been like, you know what, fuck gods, all of them, yeah. they're all terrible, yeah. I'm just going to do my own thing. And he does morally great things, but like, I think at the heart of him, he is like, he's a morally right, righteous person. Like, he yeah. makes the right calls and like, you know, he, mm. you know, he, he, he's, he does some morally questionable things to like, get what he needs and what he wants throughout the yeah. story. But when, when, when the big decisions come, he always lands on the side of good, yeah, you know, and helping I'm, people. Mm. Well, he, I suppose he's being quite a, quite a typical person where you look out for yourself, but you also try to do the good thing by others as well. Because ultimately he's yeah. trying to survive. He's he's dealing with, you know, his past, which is obviously very traumatic. He's got away from that. And obviously he's gone down a line of work, <laughs> work in quotation marks, because obviously he's a, a enforcer, debt collector, sellsword guy, you know, who just sort of does, you know, all these odd jobs that whatever needs doing. And, you know, and, and obviously it's so far from what he was doing before, but he's realised mm. that that wasn't the way he wanted to live. And and like I said, he's now thrust in situations. And like you, like you said, you see him doing stuff where he doesn't really need to help like like that very well, that mm. scene where where gint um runs off into the forest you know um, chasing <laughs> oh, after yeah. the hag lights you gotta just let him die i mean obviously from a mm. narrative point of view that would have been <laughs> quite <laughs> wouldn't have been a good thing but you know he went and followed him and tried to help him out because you know there's that sort of still that human side to him of like well you know yeah the work you know the realms are shit but you know we'll, <laughs> we would we do what we can to survive and even if it's yeah, a group he, keeps of his, he keeps his head down and he tries to survive and it's like i love that his motivation for going to wald are pretty selfish but then he ends up um being pretty helpful and useful and and being quite a pivotal playing a pivotal role in a quite an important event mm. um but like he he's quite complex i mean he basically killed a pope and hercules mm. Yeah. And then lives with that. <laughs> that he's yeah. done those things. And he's like, he walks around half expecting uh, Sigmar to just zap him with lightning at any yeah. moment. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he just kind of lives with that over his over his head. But it's like, I love that he does everything with just a knife. Like, he yeah. never yeah. Like, wields a weapon. He just has this dagger that he just mm. absolutely messes people up with. Um, mm. 
and he's really tough as well. I think it says that that he he sort of grew up with learning how to deal with pain and how to sort of not mm. let it obviously overtake you because he takes a hell of a beating. Yeah, he takes at a multiple times <laughs> in this. But yeah, there's some pretty brutal like. <laughs> there's some scenes where I was definitely like, "Oh God, that sounds painful." <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, more of what he's doing to the other people, though. Luckily, because like I said, he doesn't. Yeah, oh, I, I love I, I love his interaction with the drunk elf in the post office. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I love that scene so much. Mm. Nah, he's he, he's a he's a he's a very intriguing character, and obviously it fits well with this horror theme as well, because obviously he's a character where you're sort of fed things piecemeal throughout the novel, where you know you get because obviously. You, like with anyone, when you're reading a novel, you sort of form an idea in your head of how a character is going to be. And, you know, there's parts mm. of him that he goes on to be as you would expect him to be, but not always. And I think that's how they've sort of tried to do that quite a few times or why Josh Reynolds mm. has done it. Because I think he does that a bit with Mern, obviously the guy he's traveling mm. to world to basically kill off his former sort of comrade. Because obviously, you know, you're led to believe that Mern, oh, he's a, he's no good guy. You know, he's, I'm here to kill him. He knows stuff about my past. I don't want him to, to blab about it. He's summoned me here and, you know, he gets the world. And obviously, you know, when you hear about Mer, no one wants to talk about him. He tried to kill the mm. Lord world himself. And, and then actually when you, you know, when you hear about Mern in the end, he's actually, you know, quite not, not, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. And it's almost like there's yeah. this, you know, you, things get flipped mm. on their head quite quickly at times, I think, throughout this novel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you you get the idea that Mern is just hiding out here in this backwaters place that no one's ever heard of, but then you know you dig deep and it's like oh no no he he his family is from here he returned here he married one of the local women he had a child, uh, and then they both died and he's like oh they both died that's sad yeah the the wife got sick we don't talk about the daughter like you don't talk about the daughter and like we get near the end of the book it's like this is where we threw all the babies into the swamp to feed oh, no. her off. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, Jesus, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, um, like, there's a bit where rough. a tree splits open and mummified children spill out of it because the trees have been like sucking the sacrificed corpses dry and stuff. It's we get into some uh, deep old town religion cult nonsense uh, in this mm. place. Uh, it's really, really, really yeah. dark. <laughs> it has a roast and vasey vibe for sure. Like, mm. you know. The uh, was that League of, Gen- League of Gentlemen? Yeah, yeah, that sort of yeah. yeah. It is. It's a, a village for local people. Isn't yeah, it? it's a local <laughs> shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it's. But I think that's the, the way that this sort of novel's been pitched. It's sort of it's keeping that dread going, you know, because it's a horror novel. Yeah, things are not good. Yeah. But then it's almost like things just ticking over, you know, cause obviously the scenes mm. which are quite normal, you know, they're, they're in the, they're in the local inn, which again is a, an inn for local people, you know, don't want yeah. outsiders, but you know, they're having, you know, playing games of cards, having their food to get into the odd fight. But then, and then mm. sometimes I felt throughout this novel, it's almost, you you forget about the Kernoff Selvan F side of things. Cause things just go, yeah. it just turns into a, like a, you know, into a mystery where he's obviously just like a, mm. acting like an investigator, just trying to work yeah. out where Mern is. And then you think, Oh yes, Wait a minute, there's these uh, yeah. killer trees that uh, <laughs> are around as well. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the great antlered god in your brain says, oh, I remember when they did the blood sacrifices. I loved the taste of baby blood and girl's blood and freshly killed, freshly squeezed hearts. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets really, really dark. 
But yeah. I think I think I think in a way it's sort of needed. I don't, I don't, mm. I don't mean obviously. I mean other, obviously what you described is absolutely horrific. But it, again, it just hits <laughs> home with what the, obviously the you know the and like we said earlier when we're talking about Kurnoth as a as a mm. as a deity because again we only know bits about Kurnoth from like I said what we've seen in in some of the uh, the AOS um, books, especially like the uh, the battle tomes and such like. So we you know we've only, mm. only got little pieces of it you know similar to how kernoth is at the moment he's in pieces and mm. <laughs> i suppose it's trying to bring that together that yeah this is not a good god and and obviously in turn world is not a good place and no it's yeah it's it's yeah. as you would expect and and yeah. and you it, it makes you sort of think actually how things would have been because obviously world is described as this it's a, it's a canton, which I suppose is like a, another way of describing like a, a village. It's a swamp mm. canton. So it, it yeah. and uh, it sort of, from the bits you can piece together, it used to be a logging camp. And obviously, mm. slowly it's been overtaken by water. It's got like a big swamp canal going right through the middle of it. And obviously you've got, you know, the the uh, the festival going on, which is the what the harvest and the hunt, which obviously used to signify Alarial and, and Kernoth. Mm. And they're wearing their lovely, you know, antler masks and having you know animal sacrifices and yeah, all the yeah. uh, you know all the lovely things you'd expect <laughs> these sort mm. of things but if yeah. it, it fits well it, you know because obviously mm. you could argue it could get a bit tropey with the, some of these things but i feel it fits really quite nicely into aos yeah. i don't know if it's the yeah. same for you guys oh yeah no it really does yeah mm. i feel i feel it would be too tropey if this turned out to be a chaos cult yes because that that's probably a bit dumb but the fact that this is no this is this is a cult to kind of an order god i guess kernoth isn't super aligned he's as close to destruction as order but like to to an order subsidiary god <laughs> he falls under the Alarial network and you go oh yeah no this is uh this is weird and creepy and culty but it's like that, that little different twist on it and it's it's also super slice of life like these guys are cultists sure but like they're, they're just people, they're living here in their eel-based economy. Um, you're just trading. is <laughs> what it is, it's all they have yeah. is eels. Yeah. <laughs> like, the law's like, we're flourishing, we're doing better than ever. It's like, all you have is eels. You can't, you can't produce any other goods for the outside world, and no one wants your eels. The apples taste like eel. Is yeah. one of those subtle horror <laughs> things. It's like, yeah, they, all they have for fertilizer is eel guts, so all the yeah. fresh fruit tastes of eel. I'm like, oh, God. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a terrible place to be, which is always mm. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it it, it just, it, it's one of those sort of, I think this is testament to Josh and the way he describes things. It just, it feels like it smells of fish or eels. It, it, it's dirty. It's dark. You know, if it, it's one that, you know, when you, you know, when you've, been out out and about and you get really soaked in the rain and you sort of that horrible damp feeling you know we're like oh i can't wait to put some dry clothes on have a bath it feels like that i felt like all that all the way through reading this novel <laughs> like yeah. i felt constantly oh, yeah like, you just, cannot get dry in this no exactly <laughs> it, it's just that sort of place really and uh and also i find with uh, i i find a lot of the characters really interesting not obviously apart from ones like blackwood i i like how you know how diverse some of the characters are. Again, everyone's everyone. Mm. It feels like every character's got an agenda, which again, yeah. um, you know, is is deliberate the way it's written. But like, you know, you've got Gint, who's obviously, you know, just uh, I knew there was something up with Gint as it went on. I think that was that got pretty obvious towards the end. We think, hang on, he's yeah. not just a random card player that's just tagged along oh, yeah. <laughs> with Blackwood. No. 
to get married. <laughs> no, no. Like, the, the second he got off the caravan and said, no, I'm going to this tiny backwater cult eel town with you. I was like, no, okay, there's something going on here. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, he, he's an Assyrian agent, so he's not mm. quite a witch hunter, but he's pretty close. Well, that's <laughs> like the way uh, Blackwood kept calling him a witch hunter and he had to keep correcting him. No. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not a witch hunter. <laughs> I don't burn people at the stake, I just summon the Stormcast to do that for me. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the thing, because he doesn't actually get get a chance to say what he is, because he says he's in the Order of Azir, which is primarily a witch hunter organization mm. but obviously he is as he keeps saying he's not a witch hunter but you don't actually hear what he is he's obviously just you know he could be a spy he could be an informant he's just yeah obviously i think he's got... just meant to be an informant i think yeah yeah because he says a couple of times once he reveals himself he's like i can't wait to get out of this shithole and just summon a summon a like storm host to uh, yeah. purge this place <laughs> yeah. out of existence <laughs> he's so fed up with it yeah 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 well because he's just been a card playing Nobody really mm. throughout most of the thing, isn't he? He's just a, a tag along, you know, just sort of playing mm. cards with people, winning money off them, and and that's about it, really. So you can imagine he's so different to what he actually does. He yeah. plays the role really well as a as the character. Mm. But I suppose the the one thing that this sort of novel uh, is, it's a bit, it reminds me a bit of Game of Thrones, where don't get attached to any characters particularly in this because oh, they yeah. there's some really good characters like Gint, like um, Deshler, like um, yeah. Shapesh, the uh, yeah. the Free Guild's um, sheriff. Uh, you know, people die in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the deaths come come quick and sudden as well. They're not yeah. they're not like mm. drawn out things. It's just like, <laughs> and this character gets a sword through the chest. Moving on. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on, I like that character, but yeah, I suppose again, it just adds to it because again, it ramps up really quickly because it, it, even though it's quite a sh- short novel, it's quite slow paced. I found not in a bad way. I yeah. think it's actually quite good because mm. it completely sets a scene, but. Yeah, it does. Josh does definitely ramp it up towards the end. Where I definitely a, remember, like stopping at one point and looking at the book and being like, "How am I already like? I'm, I'm halfway through this book. How is what? What is going to happen in the next half of this book? Yeah, because nothing has yeah. happened yet. I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you realize everything that had already happened. You just hadn't realized it was a thing happening yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think I think around the halfway point is when they mm. get to the inn. And they go up to yeah. their room. I think that's a, like the halfway point. I was like, damn, they've only just got here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how is this how is this a thing? Yeah. It's 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 honestly good, well paced, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I suppose at that point you don't really still know what's going on because obviously you think, well, he's still tracking Mern. Um obviously this place mm. is a bit of a shithole, but and obviously he's, you know, a god is speaking to him and he's hearing voices and you're seeing he's seeing ghosts because again that's another thing Rant said yeah he's, mm. I don't think anyway that he sees ghosts yeah he sees dead people yeah yeah <laughs> he sees dead just people. everywhere yeah. yeah and they never they never explain that either they never they never explain how or why he can see ghosts it's just a thing mm. and, and because okay so the whole book is from his perspective it's first mm. person yeah which yep. is um which I quite like I like mm. it when, when mm. every so often I think. So he never explains how he can see ghosts. He just talks about it because he, obviously he's lived with it. So why yeah. would he explain it? Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. And it, and it, and also how it ties in with some of the things, like like when he sees the ghost of Mern's daughter multiple oh, times. Yeah, I so mean, that real. is really creepy. Mm. Like where like she oh, yeah. like where where they find Mern's body literally torn apart. Like you know, because again, the, like you mm. said, every death is really sudden. Like Mern, a really yeah. big character, he turns up and he's like he's ripped to shreds. And you're like, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's the end of him. And then, and then, mm. like you see, like he's the the you know the dead daughter, you know the ghost is is like looking over sad over the dad's body. It's like yeah, that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's really I think sad. I think the creepiest bit with the geists is that so so Harren can see them. No one else can, but other people kind of know they're there because there's a bit earlier where he's talking with Mern in Mern's old house and the geist uh, of his daughter touches him on the arm and Harren goes and he and uh and Mern starts trembling like he like he notices something something goes off for a second mm. and just especially in this place in Wald which must be drowning in other ghosts it's raining all the time, everything stinks like eels, and, like, every five to ten minutes you feel like someone walks over your grave as a sacrifice mm. ghost just touches you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, man. And it also ties into a bunch of other Age of Sigma novels where, you know, you have to placate the geists, because otherwise they might turn into Nighthorn and stuff. So, like, I believe it's Black Pinner where they leave out, like, troughs of blood outside camp to stop geists from wandering in and st- causing trouble they do it on they like do it in this one they do it in yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah. As well, yeah this one as well yeah good I've yeah that. <laughs> this one <laughs> yeah yeah because i think i think there's a there's, they're traveling along and then obviously they leave it out and then all of a sudden you just see mm. they just see the blood disappearing in these bowls you know yeah. just where they're just sort of scoffing yeah. it basically <laughs> <Blood> <laughs> which is grim that is grim <laughs> physically being able to watch the blood being drunk by the ghost you can't mm. see yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, that no. is that is horrible <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting because like so i love the so when we get to the end and like the the people are doing their big ritual and then kernoff turns up and they all shit themselves because they mm. never really thought he'd turn up yeah. and then he eats the leader in true in true cultist you got what you deserved fashion mm. like, yeah the, the leader's like oh i love you and then he just looks down and bites him in half yeah um <laughs> But then yeah. what I found interesting was how it how it leaves off where he like mm. Kernoff like goes and like licks thingies like oh I'm gonna you know I'm gonna eat you and it's gonna be awesome and then he like takes him and he's like oh no you're like you're bad you're like soured your soul is is touched mm. by another and he's like mm. and he's like oh dude you'll wish I'd eaten you alive yeah. by the time <laughs> you get to your real fate and I'm like huh that's interesting yeah. Mm. Yeah, the fact that he's I like think... marked out for greatness, but like greatness in a terrible way is like yeah. I wonder what, yeah. I wonder what yeah. like Josh had planned for him, if anything. Yeah, because like I, I think the implication is that it's Sigma has marked him for something at this point. Um, but like, it, it, I believe the the phrase is you you have a great and terrible doom <laughs> to yeah. look forward to or something like that. Like, oh, okay, we're getting we're getting a little uh little Slayer e here. Um, I, I, well, I, I, I sort of thought it could be it could be Sigma or Nagash. To be fair, Sigma mm, would be yeah, the true. obvious one, but then Nagash because he, you know, yeah, he, he comes across himself. like he's escaped death a lot. Um, mm, you know, yeah. either at the hands of Sigma or obviously, you know, since then. So I don't know. Sigma is the obvious one, but I don't know. Nagash could be in the mix as well. Yeah. Someone's That'd someone's marked him because again, it's great that it's not said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like he's Nagash, like a, he's kind of like twice. a hero. Like, um, mm. oh, sorry, sorry, come. No, 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 I just said, like, Nagash is mentioned twice in the whole book, which is also a nice Elder break Bones, from, all the other, from all the other stuff, yeah. Oh, yeah, Elder Bones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if kind he likes that nickname. The name. Calls the God's <laughs> attention. <laughs> well, I wonder, I wonder if, like, if maybe he would, like, he would be a Stormcast, 
because he's kind of mm. got that that stoic heroism of like someone mm. who always does the right thing even if it's something that's like terrible and oh, i can imagine oh. he would hate <laughs> being a stormcast yeah oh that would yeah. be the, can you imagine him getting reforged and like just looking at his lord veriton and the lord veriton looks at him as like yeah do i remember you yeah <laughs> yeah i was about to say and he, he yeah he's put under the veriton that he killed yeah exactly. <laughs> he's like i'm gonna make your life a living hell yeah <laughs> but ironically he wouldn't he wouldn't remember it <laughs> so, because mm. obviously most of the memories are gone <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah there's a like i said it's, it's nice that there's a lot i think it's one of those novels where it's quite rich with a lot of ideas whether it's from a you know from expanding on it whether there's you know there would be i know there's not gonna be future novels from josh reynolds on in this case but you know just the ideas that they've they've sort of planted in this but you know like we said earlier with the with the colonel or Kenothi, you know are we are we going to see sylvaneth hounds that'll be a, a lovely thing mm. and it's it's i like the way that they even though it is a microcosm in this case that they have expanded on some things obviously they mentioned like the jade bloods not the star bloods because obviously that i think yeah. the star bloods are supposed to be like these you know, Azerite ancestors and, and whereas like mm. Lord World and his family are jade bloods. So they're like the yeah. ones that obviously do with Gyran and such like, so again, yeah, I love these like little natives, little cool yeah. things that they've sort of, sort of tie it yeah. all together. Really. And I, yeah. And I mean, just overall, um, I think I mentioned this when I first read this a while back uh, on the show, but like, this is the dark side of Gyran. It's, so good in its overall tone and everything like we get so much setting we get a whole bunch of culture we get a whole bunch of lore we get interesting things for the story and when i first got into age of sigma i was like oh yeah that's cool all the realms sound really cool and fun and super high fantasy and then we zoom in on the realm of life which sounds like a green paradise place and like sure it's got some (laughs) hellish jungles or whatever but then you zoom in and you realize life is like stagnant moss terrible Mm. eels old waterlogged trees that just refuse to die like it's really exploring these other aspects I, i would love to see some books set in the other realms but taking this kind of deep look at them like Give me a give me a town in distant parts of Akshi where the entire town is choked in ash that just falls like snow. And what's <laughs> it like there and stuff like that? No. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> it does show like it does show how diverse and like you know like mm. varied the realms can be and like the yeah. amount of stuff they could do with them is basically limitless. Like they could do mm. so many different things, and it's such a it's such a cool way. I love I love books where like you know, taking what you said before, it's like the the Lovecraft influence of like people mm. peering behind the veil of their reality yeah. and seeing mm. the craziness <laughs> that lives beyond, and like the fact that this guy, you know, like he knows that gods exist and he's killed the gods' agents and stuff, mm. so he's kind of been confronted by it, and even then. He meets this frigging crazy ass nature god in the middle of a swamp that like <laughs> is like this big demon monster, and it's like. So yeah, this the realms are the realms are fucked up. Like yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and then if you factor in like god beasts and stuff like that yeah. that also existed, like Titan, <laughs> like continent sized monsters, it's like this this is not mm. a cool place to live. No. No, definitely not. And we and we've seen it in, in a lot of these novels where, like you said, when you pull back the veil, there's always it, you know, there's always something nasty. I mean, even when we were covering Black Pyramid when there's like there's basically you know undead under underneath the the city in question um was it was a city in that one called again i can't, can't remember now uh glim uh, oh that's glimforge, glimforge. Um, that's um, glim, 
That's the one in Soul Wars, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. The one, anyway, the one in Black Pyramid, I've names for, oh. forgotten. Um, yeah. But the fact that, like I said, you've got all these catacombs below it. So, you know, they could, they're mm. trying to rebuild this city. You know, they're getting all the all the, uh, the storm cast in, you're getting the Lord Ordinators planning things. Like, yeah, but you've still got catacombs mm. out, uh, you know, below, which, you know, could could have come alive and <laughs> night or, or just all of a sudden appear. So, like you said, it's, there's always nothing, nothing is nice in this, in the mortal realms, even though, you know, on the on the surface, mm. it can, like I said, it, when you get, you know, you picture some of these realms, how you think they would imagine. I mean, same with the Zia, you know, that, mm. uh, you know, in your head, Zia would be this amazing place, you know, all these, you know, all in gold and light and everything. But no, there's still crap size to it. Nope. Go to, you know, go to where they do the reforging. Yeah, that's not, yeah. that's not a nice place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, God. Well, it's like, well, I'd love to see a horror novel around the uh, the Bone Tithe and the Osseoc Bone Reekers, because yeah. they, they could do oh. some real dark shit with that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you could just do The Purge. Like, once a year, this city has The Purge, because the yeah. next day, the Bone Reapers <laughs> show up and demand X number of dead bodies. So we need to have <laughs> yeah. a murder night. <laughs> we want more yeah. than fingers. <laughs> or just, I would, I would totally just read a read a novel where it's like the bone, the bone reapers come uh, with the tithe, and they mm. don't have enough bone, so they literally oh, have to gather yeah. in the town hall and discuss who's getting murdered. Yeah, like let's oh, just have man. that discussion. Who is going to sacrifice themselves <laughs> to the crazy bone men outside the door? Yeah. <laughs> oh ah. dear. It is yeah. good. It is really good. Cool. Mm. Um, is there anything either you'd like to say? Because I think we'll wrap it up soon. Anything else that you wanted of note that you thought was important? No, I don't think so. I just read this book. It's it's short yeah. and very fun, and it's a, it's a good read. Yeah, absolutely. If you've not read the book by now, we actually haven't spoiled a ton of the actual story, as it were, just the sort no. of major plot point. So it's definitely still worth reading. You should have read it beforehand, though. Make sure you do that next time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's a really good book. Again, Josh Reynolds writes very good books. So what mm. else can I say? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I think it's what a good, the, you know, I echo what both you guys have said. It's a, I think it's a really good novel and definitely worth checking out. And I think also it helps that a lot of the book is world- and situation building so that's why we can't mm. really that's why it's quite an easy one not to spoil too much about because yeah. a lot of it is in the description and the way things are and you know for some people that may not be interesting but it the way it's written and the way it's put across is you definitely get a real feel of this place so yeah it's worth it for that just alone plus obviously the the nice little bits of lore that we get and obviously in you know in regards to to Kernoth and and such like so yeah check it out yeah. and, and you, the, the, you can get it on on audio as well it's one of the ones that they've done yeah. on that as well it's that thing with first person it's like a really interesting perspective to write a novel from and it's like you can it's like you can describe uh like dracula to someone mm. like mm-hmm. what happens in it but reading it and it being from van helsing's point of view is like it's such a different experience and it's like it it's worth going on the journey with the character just because it's such a unique point of view definitely 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 yeah it's uh no worth worth checking out it's in his and also like like we said at the near the start is that you know if you've not gone down the warhammer horror route from a, a reading perspective definitely check them out because they mm. they are done differently and obviously you know expectedly so but they're you know just the, I, f- I feel the you know, the few that we've read in, in this one being another example is they've always been quite balanced in that sense they're you know they can be really dark but they're you know they're still manageable because i know horror can be 
you know a, a turn on turn off for certain people depends obviously what your mm. uh, preference is so but no d- definitely if you're gonna get go with the the horror route with warhammer that is in from a reading perspective dark harvest is definitely one to to check out so uh yeah. cool that's yeah. been the main law topic time and that means it's gonna be the end of the show so uh so we can let Stephen go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us, Stephen. It's always great to have you on here. So, you know, your third year in a row. So we'll see Mm. you next year sometime. No, thank you so much, (laughs) both of you, for having me on. Um, I mean, maybe we can squeeze one in before before this time next year. You know, in case the world tips upside down and we don't actually get to next year, maybe we should just Mm. squeeze one in. Yeah. Just in case. I think that would be the right thing to do. So. But no, thank you very much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to come on and, and just talk with you guys and get excited about nerdy things. I love it. <laughs> That's what we do. That is the whole aim of our show. Get excited about nerdy stuff. So uh, no, thank you yeah. very much for coming on, Stephen. And where can people find you on the internet if they wanted to do so? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rhodes underscore right. Um, I post about games that i'm playing or working on um and my hobby stuff um and anything else that takes my fancy um is it really cool Mm. okay and cameron where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without a k uh come follow me chat with me uh for pictures of soft and fluffy animals and yelling about (laughs) the Australian federal government and hoping that all my friends in the U S and UK are safe and happy. Uh, <laughs> it's rough times. So if you want to come tra- chat about something inconsequential, like Warhammer, please do. Um, mm. you can also find me on Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin. I really need to update that. I have a bunch of photos I'm being put up on there. So I'll probably do that later today. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and where can we find you, my dearest Matt? You can find me on that twitter.com at ninjabadger7. And you can also find our podcast on there as well at Realm and Ruin. Like I said, we post what we've been working on, any news, anything that we see that's cool. That's, that's the criteria. So check out. And like we said earlier, come join our discord where you can meet and greet other cool Warhammer people. So that's been episode 54. Hope you've enjoyed it. And as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.